Hey everyone, welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm your host, Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, Perry Aston, my co-host. Perry, say hello. Hey, what's up guys? Happy Friday. And before we get into this episode of NBA Unwrapped, it'll be our NBA off-season recap, which we are really excited to do. Let's start off by reminding you all that you can follow us on Twitter, at NBA Unwrapped. You can also follow me, Corbin, at Corbin MRPK, and Perry, I should know your Twitter name by now, but what is it again? It's just Perry Aston. It's just my name, which blows my mind that you keep forgetting. (laughs) It's Perry Aston's my last name, and yeah, take a look at our Twitter, please. We are all over everything, uh, everything around the NBA, and it's such a pleasure uh, for all the interactions we've been getting lately. Uh, We're putting a lot of effort into that page, so take a look at it if you haven't already. I'm too focused on all of the NBA stuff that's going on, Perry. I don't have time to remember your very easy to remember Twitter handle. There you but. go, guys. Corbin doesn't have time to remember <laughs> stuff about me. But yeah, uh, yeah so let's uh, get started. I know uh, you guys can take a look at our podcast on SoundCloud. Uh, if not, you can go and subscribe and listen to our podcast on iTunes, NBA Unwrapped. So let's get started with this episode. We got a jam-packed episode eight NBA offseason recap, starting with Russell Westbrook. I know uh, he got an extension today. You were putting the outline together right when this dropped on Woj's Twitter. Five yeah, years, $205 million. Can you believe that? It was just, once again, another Woj bomb. This one, yeah, like you mentioned, I was putting the outline of what we wanted to talk about today together, and all of a sudden I get a notification on my phone, and it's a tweet from Woj. Russell Westbrook signs his extension, so my heart immediately dropped, not just because of any hope I had of maybe Russell Westbrook leaving the Thunder after this year and coming to the Lakers, but also, obviously, Paul George being on the Thunder. Westbrook signing that extension has got to make the Thunder look a lot more intriguing to him. Right, and I know on our Twitter we dropped a super interesting tweet that mentioned $38.3 million a year, $46.7 million a year in his final year of his contract, making him the highest-paid NBA player. So well-deserved by Russell Westbrook. But as you said, I think it's amazing that Thunder were able to put together such an amazing offseason with limited assets in a small market. And it's remarkable that they were able to put together a team around Russell Westbrook because he really showed that he could do it himself. But you can't you only go so far on your own. So you're putting together a team that can definitely compete with the Warriors at least. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll get more into the Thunder's offseason later on in this podcast. We will be recapping each team's offseason and assigning a grade to them. We're going to try to get through most teams in two or three minutes, but I have a feeling we'll spend a little bit more time on the Thunder. But yeah, like you mentioned, unbelievable offseason, what they were able to do being in a small market with the limited assets they had available around Russell Westbrook to be able to get Carmelo Anthony and Paul George out of it and also sign maybe the top top three player in the NBA to a five-year extension. That's unbelievable. And you mentioned right. Westbrook's $46.7 million he'll be making on the final year of his deal. That's going to put him at about half of the entire salary cap. So it's crazy wow. to think that you're going to have one player taking up half of your resources. A lot of teams go over the cap, but still. Right. They're, going to have a, they're still going to have a lot of work to do next next year in the offseason. 
Well, yeah, of course. You got Todd Gord. Yeah, so you, know. you think it's too high? You think it's well deserved? What are your thoughts on this extension? No, if you're the Thunder, you're in a small market. It doesn't matter what team you are. Any team with Russell Westbrook, you do whatever you can to keep yeah, him. You pay him as much as you can. Yeah. Russell Westbrook, that dude's putting up a triple double, triple double every night. He's the only reason why people want to come play at Oklahoma City. So yeah, and I was wondering why now to sign that extension because that extension's been on the table since July first, when the Thunder could possibly. First, possibly offer it to him. I picture I think, that, he, was t- I think he was testing the team well, just to see, you know, what they could put around him before he decided to, you know, sign his name away for the next five years. Yeah, but you wonder, like, why right after the Paul George trade, or maybe after the Carmelo Anthony trade, if he was going to sign, why not do it right then? Because for each day that goes by, there's just that small chance that you could have a catastrophic injury. I know it's a very small chance, but there still is that chance. But then it became news today that it is Kevin Durant's birthday today. So I am 100% sure Russell Westbrook knew that. He was definitely sitting on this day, waiting for this day to come. And this is really just a... Uh, it's just... Just a middle finger to yeah, KD. Yeah, right to KD. Showing so, uh, that he can contend with the Thunder without him. And he can. They're going to be a very good team. They're going to be a great team, and yeah. I think it's it's a very well deserved. Nothing too high, especially how numbers are nowadays. These contracts are insanely high. So yeah, and like uh, like I said, teams one of the best. teams go over the salary cap well over all the time. So uh-huh. it yeah, it's a great deal. Uh, really quickly before we get into the rest of this podcast, I just want to let all of our listeners know that our next podcast will be an NBA 2018 season preview podcast where we will be making our predictions as far as different awards go, MVPs, Rookies of the Year, stuff like that, who we think is going to be winning the championship, final standings for each team. Uh, If any of our listeners have any questions that they would like to have answered on our next podcast regarding the upcoming season with any predictions or just any questions at all in general, please send us a tweet. Uh, let us know your question. If it's a good question, we will be happy to talk about it. Perry and I are also going to be doing um, answering some questions, kind of more fun questions, kind of like prop bets you would see in Vegas, such as will there be an NBA team with fewer wins this year than an NFL team? So will an NFL team have maybe 14, 15 wins and an NBA team, one team, has less than that? We'll see. We'll yeah, answer so that. Get into it on the next podcast. podcast. It's going to be great to see anyone's questions that we can discuss ourselves. Anything about the NBA, really, especially the upcoming season. If any, you know anything's on your mind that you want me answered, Corbin and I will got that. Put it on our uh, Twitter page. It's NBA Unwrapped, and we will answer it on there. But we will take some considerate time on our next podcast and really talk about it, the two of us. So, and you'll get a shout out for your Twitter. So. Send that over to us, and if it's good enough, you'll be on the podcast. Yeah, so now jumping back into this podcast, this podcast too, we're very excited about. Um, So just a little more news before we jump into the off-season recaps for each team. The NBA announced, I believe it was two days ago or so, NBA draft lottery reform. So the NBA, in years previous... Their NBA draft lottery system was such 
where the team with the worst record in the NBA had a 25% chance of acquiring the number one overall pick through the lottery. The lottery was for the first three picks only, and then after that, the draft positions were given in reverse order of record. So if you had the worst record in the NBA, not only would you have a 25% chance at getting the first pick in the draft, you were guaranteed to have a pick no later than pick number four. In the new draft lottery rules, which will be taking into effect in 2019, so this upcoming season, this upcoming draft lottery will fall under the old rules, but starting the next year, it'll be new rules where the number one pick in the NBA, the number one worst record, the team with the worst record in the NBA starting in 2019 will no longer have a 25% chance at the number one overall pick. It'll be a 14% overall chance, so those odds are almost cut in half. Right, and, that's, that's awesome, I think. Yeah, and the draft, the actual lottery will take place for the first four teams, not just the first three. So now, starting at number five, it'll still go in reverse order, but if you're the worst record in the NBA, you could fall down to the fifth pick instead of the fourth pick. So, yeah, I mean, that's big. And also, the chances for all of the teams, as far as chances to get the number one pick, at least the top four, they have switched quite a bit where the top four teams all have a 14% chance, I believe, right? I believe so. To get the uh, number one pick in the NBA draft. So It's It's a lot more up in the air. It's not so much, as we were bringing up, I don't think tanking... They're kind of trying to get away from it, I guess, just to say that we're the worst team in the league and we're pretty much automatically going to get the first pick. Hopefully it's a thing of the past. I'd love to see the league be a little bit more competitive on the bottom end. Tanking can be cool if you kind of look at the 76ers right now with their process. They found a way to bring talent in there and really revamp something that was so dead. But look at all the years that they just went through, and these fans have to be so loyal to be sticking by them right now. No one wants to see that. Of course, if you see a team trying and they're losing, that's one thing. But you can tell sometimes when a team is tanking. And I don't think it's dead, of course. Tanking is going to be a thing in the NBA for as long as I can think up to be in the near future. But then again... I'd like to see it be a little bit more competitive, and I think these new draft lottery reform rules are going to, you know, when they come in, of course, when they come into effect after this coming year, I think it's going to be a really good thing for the NBA just to kind of at least make tanking look less appealing. Yeah, I think they're definitely moving in the right direction. This doesn't... So, Daryl Morey, he tweeted at Sam Hinkie after this past that tanking was dead. And Sam Hinkie is obviously the former GM of the Philadelphia 76ers, who, when he was there, he referred to it as the process, which Joel Embiid talks about constantly. And the I'm process. Sure he his legal name to the process, too. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And the process essentially was get as bad as you could be for a few years, pick up as many great players in the draft high-level lottery picks, top-level, top three if you can, and then after a few years, once you've acquired some of those players, then you start to turn it around. 
And look, he was just taking advantage of the rules that were in place. And yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that if you're going to not be making the playoffs or barely make the playoffs as an eight seed, you're better off being one of the worst teams in the NBA. Mediocrity in the NBA is the NBA's version of purgatory. You are not going yeah, to no, no man's land. Yeah, you're getting the 14th, 15th pick every year. It's going to be a solid player, but unless you get really lucky, you're not going to get a franchise-changing player. So it makes a lot more sense to be bad. These new rules with the new lottery, it's still incentivized tanking, and that's the problem. Now, and I have the numbers in front of me, so the top three teams have a 14% chance of getting the number one pick. Previously, the worst record had a 25% chance, second worst, 19.9, and third worst, 15.6%. So the odds for all three of those teams have gone down. The fourth worst record now is a 12, 12.5% chance instead of 11.9%. So those odds went up a little. The odds for the fifth worst record, sixth worst record, all the way down to the 13th worst record, all of those odds got a little better, but still they don't have great odds of getting the number one overall pick. And then the team with the 14th worst record, the team that was closest to getting into the playoffs, they have half of 1%, 0.5% chance to get the number one pick, same as the year before. So my problem with this is that, yeah, you're still incentivized to be bad. Now it's just, if you can be one of the three worst teams, you have the best odds. And it still incentivizes you to be the worst team in the NBA. Because even though if you're the worst team in the NBA, you have the same odds of getting the number one pick as the second worst team and the third worst team, if none of those teams get into the actual lottery, which is the top four, as the worst team in the NBA, you are guaranteed that number five pick. Whereas if you're the third worst record, you're only guaranteed a top seven pick. So it still incentivizes that. And Perry, I mentioned to you before we started this podcast that I had a what I think is the closest that you could possibly come to a solution for tanking in the NBA. I didn't want to tell it to you before we started this podcast because I wanted to get your first initial reaction. My raw, to it. My yeah, raw reaction. Exactly, your raw reaction. So I will tell it to you now and then just let me know what you think. So I think the best way to get rid of tanking is in the NBA, have the lottery with the odds of getting the number one pick based off of once a team is eliminated from playoff contention, how many wins do they have? The team with the most wins after they are eliminated from playoff contention gets the most or the best odds of obtaining that number one pick. That is going to incentivize teams like the Sixers, the Lakers from last year, the Suns, all of which were, it was very clear to see that they were tanking. That incentivizes all of them. Once they're eliminated from the playoffs, Try to win. Play every player you possibly can and do everything you can to win. Because So once they're mathematically yes. eliminated from playoff contention, then you start to count wins then and see who has the most wins after they are declared one of the worst teams? After, is, that, so, is that what you're saying? Yeah, after they're mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, from that point forward until the season ends, so say... Take the Sixers as example because they were the ones who had this. They're the reason why this rule change happened anyways. Say the Sixers are eliminated from playoff contention in February. 
February 20th, let's say. From February 20th until the end of the year, how many wins do they have for the rest of that year? Let's say they have 20 wins. Then, uh, let's say, so they were the first team eliminated. Then the the Suns get eliminated February 22nd from playoff contention. Two days later, maybe they uh, finish with 18 wins. So the Sixers had 20 wins after they were eliminated. The Suns had 18. So the Sixers are going to have better odds at obtaining that number one overall pick than the Suns. So who tried the hardest after they didn't try hard enough is what you're saying? Yeah, so yes. that's that's the only issue that I can think of with this is just maybe that just incentivizes teams to, to suck lose until more. They're, yeah, if you suck and then all of a sudden you bring out some juiced up player off your bench or something <laughs> to just glide you to this number one pick because you kind of kept him in the locker room for the whole year. Yes, I don't know. I, I, but, I, I guess I see where you're coming from. I just think that I'm not a supporter of teams sucking, and I know that if you're in a smaller market and you're sucking, you're only going to be able to survive for so long and keep any fans there. And winning is a culture. If you aren't going to win, then you're kind of just a laughing stock. I already think the Sixers are a laughing stock, even if they do do well. Um, just like you said, NBA draft reform, draft lottery reform rules change are mainly around them and what they've been doing. No one likes not winning, and if you do, no one's going to want to watch you. That's kind of just it. If you're in a smaller market, it's a little bit harder to bring people in via free agency, and you might have to look at the draft a little bit more. But I just think the way that you're thinking about it, who knows when, which exact date these teams are going to be mathematically eliminated, how many games they're going to be playing after that point. It's just going to get too confusing. And in reality, we're just going to be looking at who sucks the worst and who tried to not suck after they already were eliminated. That's the thing, though, is that by... What, that they they have heart? No, no, no. So... When the NBA season first starts off, yeah, there are a few teams that they won't admit it, but they know they're not going to make the playoffs. But there are plenty of teams that they're still going to be trying, going to be thinking, look, we have a chance at making the playoffs. Then injuries happen, maybe the team doesn't perform as well as they're expected to, and then they start to taper off. Yeah, you're still going to have a little, some tanking, but nowhere near the type of tanking that you had now, because by making it to where... They need to be competitive later on in the year and win games. Teams are not trying to tank right from the start. Almost, almost never. Good, what about good teams that start to sit players because they're guaranteed to be in the playoffs? Then you're putting up players trying their hardest against second stringers, and how are you going to take that into consideration? Okay, but teams in the playoffs that are sitting their players, first off, the NBA has... The NBA season is starting two weeks earlier so that there are fewer back-to-backs, no more four games and five nights. That's supposed to help with the um, that's supposed to help with the team sitting right? players. Yes, the wear and tear. There was also a rule that was passed by the NBA's Board of Governors regarding teams sitting players. That is going to be really hard to enforce just because how can you definitively say a team sat a player just to rest him because a team could easily if they want to rest a player they just say oh he's hurt so he's not playing how do you prove he's not hurt you can't but that problem yeah but that problem's a lot 
not nearly as bad as a team that is already bad having their worst having their best players sit out to make them even worse. Now you're dealing with teams that aren't that great playing their best players versus once in a while cuz still teams most of the time playoff teams they're going to be playing all of their players most nights because they still want to have that rhythm. But once in a while you might have a Golden State team or a Cleveland Cavaliers team that sits their best players they're still going to probably have a competitive game with a team that isn't that great that's playing their best players. So it's still much more fun for the fans to watch than when you have it reversed and you have NBA playoff teams playing their best players and then NBA lottery teams are sitting all of their players and it's just not a fun game to watch. And then it also takes into my, account... My head, my head just hurts thinking about this idea. <laughs> and then also, <laughs> there, see, there's more to it too. Also, teams that are still in contention for the playoffs until the end, they will not get good odds for winning or for uh, winning the NBA draft lottery because if a team is fighting for the playoffs and they get eliminated a week before the season's over or a day before the season's over, they only have one, Less games to one play. two, three, or four games. Yeah, so they can win all four of those. There's still going to be teams that were mathematically eliminated in February that have double-digit wins. Okay, well, I mean, I see where you're coming from. Still, seems like a lot of work to get rid of tanking. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's just, there's no way to completely get rid of tanking. I just think that... I I totally agree. Tanking is just a thing. Yeah, and unfortunately it is, but that's just how it is in the NBA and to a much lesser extent other leagues. Um, uh-huh. but, yeah, I mean, it feels like NBA is the one that has it on showcase the most. But So moving on from yeah, the draft well, lottery reform just, rules. Just really quickly on that for why the NBA, it's most prevalent in the NBA is because you look at like MLB or NFL. In MLB, you tank for the number one pick. You're not going to see that pick in the majors for most likely a couple years, so that doesn't yeah, really do course, anything. Yeah, of course, because then, you have to groom them in the minor leagues yeah, and then, before you bring them up. And then the NFL, I mean, we're somewhat seeing this a little this year with the Jets and whoever the number one quarterback's going to be, most likely Darnold, maybe Rosen, biased because I'm at USC, but yeah, Darnold's better than Rosen. Um, but, I mean, it, except for a quarterback, there isn't any other position in the NFL that can just dynamically change your entire team just by drafting someone and him coming in as a rookie. In the NBA, yes, it doesn't happen all the time, but there are those rookies that can transcend a franchise and completely change their fortunes over the course of just their rookie year. I don't even see NFL teams tanking necessarily. They just if they suck, they just get outmanned on the field. For NBA, it's a lot it's a lot weaker when it comes weaker minded at least when it comes to how you're going to go about it. People complain a lot more, and the rules were, you know, a, a lot tighter in the NFL now because of how much crazier the league used to be. But the NBA, it's kind of, it's a little softer when it comes to, oh, we can just be bad and get someone good. When you're in football, I feel like it's this, you know, unfortunately, a little bit more of a competitive drive to be, to be good or at least try and win. I know players on the Browns, like especially Joe Thomas, it's been quoted of, you know, he they try as hard as they can every single game, and it's just the fact that they're outmanned and out-talented out yeah. there. And 
with the NBA, I think it's more strategic to be bad to get this player coming out of high school that's going to be there in two years. I just feel like it's way more, um, you know, math, mathematic and thinking about the future when and getting one guy to come save you. I feel it's a maybe it's because there's five men on the court at that time. I yeah. think that's the only way that I can describe it because one guy out of the five usually is the best anyways and if you get the right guy out there it can be night and day so that might be why tanking is a little bit more kind of kind of common in the nba but let's move on to the next subject i know uh it's just a little fact that you saw that you thought was interesting that uh no coach has been fired in the nba since the memphis grizzlies fired their coach in may of 2016 so it's been a decent amount of time since a coach has been let go and i think that's really interesting fact too it's just, when I saw that, that just amazed me, and I had to double-check it. But, yeah, that's two off-seasons. I mean, May 2016, playoffs are still going on. So that's two whole off-seasons where no coach has been fired. That I guess teams are just happy with the direction of their teams and with the people in charge. That's kind of a good thing. Yeah, but it's just incredible. You would think that there would... Somebody, I, just, I right? never thought that there would be one off-season where... No coaches would be fired, much less two. Yes, the Grizzlies were already in their off season, but the NBA off season where all teams were done with their seasons, it hadn't started yet. It's incredible to me, and so I mean, I think about the teams that maybe they will be the next coach to be fired. Obviously, the Bulls come to mind with um, Fred Hoiberg, but of course, they're going to be terrible this year. So, how much does the front office? Take that into account with if they're not performing all well, they probably have the worst record in the league. Uh, there's other teams as well. The Knicks with um, Jeff Hornacek. Uh, I don't know. They're a complete mess. Are there any teams you Someone, can think Someone's of? getting fired this year. Well, yeah, they... I can, Somebody's getting fired. <laughs> yeah, I don't see how. No one's going to get fired for another year, but... Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, that's just amazing to think two years without anyone, especially in teams that matter and teams that are on such big markets. A lot of these teams, if the team's not doing well, they fire the coach because there is no other, there's nothing else to do. You can't just rip the team completely apart because you don't want to be one of those teams tanking. You just try and get someone else in charge. And yeah, sometimes teams, the coach might be the reason why. It might just be his system, players not wanting to play hard for that in particular player, players not wanting to come play for that the team because of that in particular coach. Um, but the fact that teams are just settled with their coaches says a lot about the direction of the NBA right now and how each team feels. So I think that's an awesome stat. But let's uh, move on to the fun part of this podcast. I know you have a list, and so do I, about the best contracts and the worst contracts for this last offseason. Yes. And it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy offseason. Tons of money flying around, tons of players moving, a lot of players returning that we didn't expect. So let's jump right into here. I'm going to let you start with your list first on the best contracts of this last offseason. Okay, great. Thank you. So, yeah, the number one, it, I don't see how you can even debate this. Kevin Durant, two years, $53 million. Yes, yeah, that that, that's like, a total given yeah, on my list also. That sounds like a lot of money, but... He's taking $9 million under the max so that the Warriors could bring back Andre Iguodala. Uh, I, I don't need to say too much about it. Just if you're paying Durant, 
the second best player in the league, $9 million less than the max, that's an incredible deal. Number two, I had Dirk Nowitzki, two years, $10 million. Yes, Dirk Nowitzki has slowed down. He's nowhere near the type of player that he once was, but again, it just shows what an incredible team player he is as far as giving the Maverick, the, the Mavericks more options as far as cap room goes to try to go get some players to get around him. Unfortunately for him, the Mavericks just have not been able to do that. Yeah, one, one funny thing I just want to add about Dirk really quick. I saw a tweet earlier from his account on Twitter, uh, and a fan sent him a letter with a $20 bill attached to it, and it said, pretty much thank you for taking the discounts throughout the years and being such a nice guy for letting our team have flexibility. Uh, lunch is on me, big guy. And <laughs> a staple of a 20 to it, so I thought that was hilarious and extremely relevant to what uh, we're talking about. Yes, very. Yeah, because Dirk's done it before. He took, I think it was like a, I don't know how many years ago, but he did something similar to this, and then he had one year where he took a bigger contract, and then he went back to these smaller deals. Um, so just, he wants to he wants to win or at least not go out this way. Yeah, but unfortunately for him, I mean, they don't look like they're going to be doing anything this year either. So they got um, two more years. Yeah, another uh, contract that I thought was great value. So this one, I'm not. I guess if I was ranking it, I'd actually put this one ahead of Dirk Nowitzki's. But Dwayne Wade, this is somewhat cheating, which is why I left it out of my initial rankings. One year, two point three million with the Cavs. So people probably know Dwayne Wade was bought out of his contract with the Chicago Bulls. He was scheduled to make around twenty three million dollars with the Bulls this year. However, Wade took an eight million dollar pay cut, so the Bulls only had to pay him fifteen million dollars to buy him out of his contract, so he could go play with a contender. So one year, two point three million dollars. For Dwayne Wade, that's an unbelievable contract, but he's also getting paid $15 million by the Bulls, so he's well off, much better well off this year than Dirk, but again, $5 million, yeah, I'd take that to play basketball. And then... Oh, the, yeah, would you? <laughs> I'd take... You can give me 10... You can... I, I'll play basketball for free. If I could be on an NBA team, they don't have to pay oh, me. Oh, totally. Just give me, like, free snacks for a year or something. But yeah. I'm going to start with my list. I know Kevin Durant tops to that as well. The second best player in the world for two years, $53 million. That's a steal. That's a generous man thinking about the Warriors and how the best team ever assembled can somehow get better. And that's amazing. Um, and like you said, $53 million is still a lot of money to a man like near you or to any fan. But with all the money flying around the NBA, with how much they can pay players, this is a very good value contract, especially for the second best player in the world, as we said. My second one, J.J. Redick to the 76ers on a one-year $23 million deal. I know $23 million doesn't sound small, but a one-year contract is small. And that's exactly what the 76ers needed to do. They needed to sign players to one-year deals. They signed J.J. Redick and brought in Amir Johnson as well, who is a veteran role player both on one-year contracts. J.J. Redick does deserve this kind of money with how, you know, off-seasons have been. But 76ers nailed this one. He's going to be that veteran presence on a young team that, as we said, got built by tanking. But now you went out and signed a serious player, another role player. You're starting to add pieces there. I like this contract. My third, Nene. I know people aren't talking much about Nene. 
uh, three-year, eleven million dollars, and I think this was this was definitely the second contract they offered him. The first one was, I believe, four-year, fifteen million, and this one's even more appealing. I believe that one went over the veterans' minimum. It broke some sort of rules, regulate regulations in contract negotiations form, and they weren't able to get it done on the first contract. The second one was even better, three years, eleven million. He really showed up in the playoffs. Yeah, he didn't. He's a little older, high thirties. He doesn't have a lot left in him. He's got three years left in him. They signed him to a three-year contract, eleven million dollars for a player that brings that type of energy, especially on a team that needs it like that down low. Look at the Warriors; they got Zaza down low playing center. It doesn't matter who you have down there if you have the right players starting. They got James Harden there. They got Chris Paul. Nene was needed there, and they brought him back on a great value contract. My last one. Actually, is kind of two players in one, as you said, Dwayne Wade, one year, two point three million dollars, not making that completely. Uh, that's his. Sorry, that's not his complete salary. Just like you said, the Bulls are paying him way too much money to not play basketball in Chicago. <laughs> but two point three million dollars to come to the Cavs and play with LeBron. This might be the move that. Well, it is the move that locks the East for them, in my opinion. This might be the move that gives LeBron that one last chance. Who knows? The other move that I really love that the Cavs put off, Derrick Rose, one year, $2.1 million. A man coming off his best year since the uh, terrible knee injuries. He really showed up and deserved a contract. He wants to play with a contender. One year, $2.1 million to play uh, behind IT. I really like this contract, too. So there's yeah. my list. So one more one more player I didn't get to for my list of best contracts was Patrick Patterson. He signed with the Thunder on a three-year, $16 million contract. All right, Patrick yeah, Patterson, too, yeah. he's not going to move the needle for anyone, but he is a very good role player to have. And He um, was about to start before they made these two moves for Paul George and Carmelo. I know that, does, I know that doesn't say much, but he yeah. was a, that's a smart man leaving a situation to come to OKC in a decent market on a decent team and find a good role for yourself, and that's a good value contract. I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, and I know Sam Presti... I know he recently acquired Carmelo and Paul George, but as far as free agency goes, that $16 million contract to Patrick Patterson, that was the largest deal he had ever given to a free agent that wasn't on his team. Um, so I think he was very smart with that contract, a well-deserved contract for Patrick Patterson, but a great deal for the Thunder. So with that, let's jump into the worst contracts of the NBA offseason. Perry, I'll let you go first on this one. Okay, I'm going to start with what I think we both can agree is the worst. I think everyone can agree is the worst. Tim Hardaway Jr. to the Knicks, four years, $71 million. I'm going to repeat that for everybody. $71 million for Tim Hardaway Jr. What? What? You know? What's going on? That's way too much money for a team that needs to stay flexible. They just locked themselves into another contract that reminds me of like a a Noah contract that they already have on their books. Hate it. Terrible. I remember I was at work when I saw this. I almost dropped my phone. <laughs> uh, second worst contract, in my opinion, Sergi Baca. Three years, $65 million to return to the north, to Toronto. <sighs> Serge is a very athletic player. He's an athletic specimen. He can rebound. He can bring energy on the defensive end. But what what more can he do? We saw it on the Thunder. I think he peaked there. He really kind of fall, fell off for me when he went to the Magic briefly. 
Uh, three years, $65 million. I just don't like it. I think it's way too much money. I look at him more at like $35, $40 million. I might be undervaluing him a little bit, but 65 is outrageous for me. For a team that is, I think, a very good team, especially bringing back Lowry and DeRozan, but you need to stay flexible as well. Serge Ibaka for that much money for three years isn't smart to me. Um, the last one, Joe Inglis, I think it's, or it's Ingles, one of the two. He's on the Utah Jazz. Uh, my fault for not being able to pronounce his name correctly, but that says enough right there. Don't know much about him besides the fact that he's just an average Joe. Apparently he was, you know, Gordon Hayward's best friend on the team, but clearly signing him didn't do anything to keep Hayward there. He left anyways. You just put $52 million onto a player that's never going to make a difference onto your roster. And that's just me being blunt, very honest. What is he going to do for any team besides bring you some energy and provide a little boost? He's not going to make any difference. Definitely not $52 million worth of difference. So that would be another contract that I think is outrageous. Those three just really baffle me. But we'll, uh, I want to hear your, I want to hear your three words. Yeah. So the three that you had. Tim Hardaway Jr. is number one for me, too. Uh, Ibaka and Ingles. I thought about both of those. Ibaka I was very tempted with. Uh, I think they definitely overpaid. Joe Ingles, um, yeah, I think it was it was a bad contract, but he's still a good shooter. I think he led the league in shooting last year, so that's what he brings to the table defensively. Yeah, he's not going to do anything. He's a liability. Yeah. He, just, it just doesn't have, he doesn't have the athleticism to compete that I like to see on there. And with a team without a true leader and Gordon Hayward, of course they have Gobert there, but I just don't like his role there either. It's about four yeah. years, $52 million is a little outrageous. Yeah, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of it either. The only reason why he's not on my list is because the Jazz signed him before Hayward left. So that was kind of trying to get Hayward to stay. But yeah, totally. I, def- like I, I definitely said, agree. Best, yeah, best yeah. friend on the team. Yeah. That says something if he left. He really wanted to go. So, like I said, Tim Hardaway Jr., number one on my list. Four years, $71 million, which I just cannot believe. It is interesting to see that the money somewhat dried up this summer for free agency, where we saw last summer teams just giving money left and right in these horrible contracts. You mentioned the joking Noah contract. Four years, $72 million. Apparently the Knicks didn't learn from that because the next year they signed Hardaway to four years, 71. But What then, are you doing, New yeah, York? I know. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., his stats last year. So he averaged 27 minutes a game with the Hawks. He played in 79 games. Averaged 14.5 points per game on 45% shooting. Shooting percentage, that's... Fine, nothing great though. 35% from three, average for a guard. 2.8 rebounds, 2.3 assists. So he's not a playmaker. All average. I mean, I'd say the rebounds and assists for a shooting guard, that's below what you would like from your starting two guard. So he's a shooting guard who is an average shooter. He's got good athleticism. Defensively, he's nothing special to write home about, but can't really rebound, is not a playmaker for others. How does that equate to $71 million over four years? I have no idea. And then my second bad contract, I had Kelly Olenek, four years, $50 million. I will start this off by saying I have not been a fan of him since he was at Gonzaga. I just, I did not like him. I thought he was overrated. And then he goes to the Celtics. Um, 
And I just, I didn't see, did not see at all during his years with the Celtics why he would be worth four years, $50 million. It had to be how he played in the playoffs, honestly. He brought a lot of energy, and obviously he got in that fight. But... (laughs) That, so that, I think I think it was the playoffs that really well, locked us in. I'm almost convinced. Yeah, that game seven against the Wizards, he had like 29 points. So I think that single-handedly got him the contract. But his season stats for uh, this previous year, it actually, he averaged nine points per game this last year. He averaged 10 points per game the year previous. So he actually went down in scoring. Field goal percentage went up to 51% from 45. But his three-point percentage went down to 35% from 40%. His rebounding went up 0.7 from 4.8 to 4 from 4.1 to 4.8, and he got two assists a game, which was half an assist better than the year previous. That's not great progression. I know Olenek's still young, but those numbers by themselves they do not add up to anywhere close to 50 million over four years. You look at the progression he made from the year before; wasn't really a big jump in any area. So I just, I don't see why you would give him, especially the Miami Heat, they had a lot of cap room where they could have tried to, I know they did pursue Gordon Hayward and they signed Olenek afterwards, but why not preserve that cap space and maybe go after maybe LeBron James, try to get him to come back? or Why not sign Olenek to a one-year deal worth more money per year just give him one year because exactly. you want him on the team and have flexibility for next year that's what i'm thinking exactly and i think if they did that then that would make sense and Olenek, we would not be discussing him i don't want to discuss kelly Olenek, but he got this terrible contract <laughs> and then the last contract this one might surprise people might surprise you perry but i have blake griffin five years 173 million dollars i understand that the Clippers, if they wanted to keep Blake Griffin, they were going to have to give him a max deal. That's what separated them from every other team. He had a meeting lined up with the Phoenix Suns. They were going to offer him the max for what they could give him, which was only a four-year deal. But the Clippers came in with that fifth year, and once they gave him the full max, he turned down meetings with other teams and signed it. But five years for Blake Griffin, who, when he's healthy, don't get me wrong, he is a great player and if he could stay healthy for this entire contract then I think it's a fine contract not great because as the Clippers since they lost Chris Paul they're kind of put into that what I was talking about NBA purgatory where you're just but, mediocre well, but what are you going to do if Blake Griffin leaves too I think CP3 leaving just opened the door for this max contract for Blake Griffin you can't let the two of them walk and blow this up especially with how they're doing it right now in LA they're building a brand new stadium for them in Inglewood Steve Ballmer's on it he's just doing everything he can to make this team not LA's second team anymore don't think that's ever going to happen with LA's rich history be. They yeah, with the Lakers' rich LA's history. What, what was that? They will always be LA's second team. Yeah, no, totally with the LA Lakers' rich history. But think about the moves that he's making right now. You don't go give a team that's deciding to rebuild a brand new stadium. You give a team who still has someone there that's the face of the team and continue to keep trying. Doesn't seem like they're going to let up anytime yes, soon. You I really kind of have to make this contract with it, Chris Paul leaving. Yeah, it's going to keep... The Clippers being able to sell tickets. They didn't lose Chris Paul for nothing. They still got a return back and some serviceable very, players. Very, very good return in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're going to lose him, at least you got something back. But 
they're just they're stuck. They have no cap room at all, especially after this Blake Griffin trade. So it's not like they can go sign a free agent. You look at the roster they have now, they're nowhere close to being an actual legitimate contender and tra- challenging the Warriors. They weren't even when they had Chris Paul. Now they're probably going to be battling for a seven seed or an eight seed. Yes, if you lost Blake Griffin, you would not be as good right now, but signing Blake Griffin, unless they find some way to get another star. That's, that's got to be the plan. That, that has to be. The plan. Yes, but if they don't, then signing Blake Griffin actually sets the team back. Whereas if they lost Blake Griffin, they could just completely rebuild. Blow it up is what you're thinking. I just think the, time, the timing is all off. I, with, the, with the new stadium. Yeah, for the Clippers' sake, they better hope that they can just find a way to get another star. So that's why totally I had agree. Blake Griffin on my worst contract. So All right, let's let's move on to the uh, the starting with the grades of every team's offseason. We'll try and move through these teams uh, pretty quickly, except for maybe a couple that we might want to spend an extra minute or two on. Yes. But let's and start with so uh, our first team. Really quickly, just to give everyone a little idea of like how we went about grading this stuff. So we took into consideration any players that were re-signed by their teams, the key additions they made, whether it was through the draft, through trades, signing someone in free agency that wasn't previously on, previously on the team, and then also taking into account any subtra- subtractions that teams had that they lost either through free agency or that they traded away, and also considering the team's projected starting salary cap space going into free agency. So obviously if a team was over the salary cap, we weren't going to penalize them for not signing a max-level player. Right. It shows how much flexibility each team had, how much money they did have to spend. That obviously could affect our grades to see yes. so, what each team did with such little money or what teams spent all of the money that they had available on. Yes. I think that's a big key factor. Yeah, so let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. Their projected salary cap space was negative almost negative $13 million, so not too much they could do going into free agency, but that also took into account the cap holds for Paul Millsap, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., so they did lose Millsap, lost Tim Hardaway Jr., they traded Dwight Howard to the Charlotte Hornets. They, for nothing, for nothing. Yeah, pretty much for nothing. They got Marco Bellinelli, um, they drafted John Collins, Dwayne Dedman was probably their best free agency signing. Uh, what are your thoughts? What's your grade that you'd give them? Um, they didn't have much to do. They uh, Flexibility-wise, they had to get rid of Dwight Howard. I'm disgusted with the return that they got. They could have got something. Paul Millsap was, is one of the most underrated players in the entire league, and he's going to do very well where he is now, but he, they couldn't afford to keep him. Tom, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, it was just really kind of an A off season for them. Dwayne Dedman coming from San Antonio, I believe he he's a decent player, and I really do like John Collins that they drafted. Uh, he's a high flyer, high energy player, uh, can bang with a lot of the NBA players already. I can see a lot of good things going for John Collins, but that team really doesn't have much. Then again, you have to take into consideration their projecting starting uh, cap space. But I'm I give them a D plus. Uh, just nothing special, kind of just a whatever. Obviously, they did lose a lot of pieces. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I'm going to give them a D plus as well. The Dwight Howard trade, once they lost Paul Millsap, it was pretty clear that they were going to have to rebuild. That Paul Millsap signing with the Nuggets, that gave them some cap room, but at that point, 
you're not going to be able to sign anyone with they probably had around 10 million dollars in cap space no one that would be able to keep you at the level where they were which they still weren't in contention for a championship um the dwight howard trade though getting marco bellinelli back that was more just clearing cap room there wasn't much of a return that dwight howard was going to get you anyways maybe a second round pick yeah, at um, least that though i mean maybe but you also dwight howard has two years left on his deal at around i think like 47 48 million so 24 million a year that's a lot to give a big man who who depends so much on his athleticism and it's his athleticism declines so much each year um, I agree. I, I, I read something that he wants to bring back the magic Dwight from the Orlando days, but yeah, who knows he if he can ever do that again. He said that he said teams, that when so. he was on the Lakers. He said that when he was on yeah, the Rockets. Right. He said that when he was on the Hawks. So we all want we all want to be it. great again, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, let's move on to the Boston Celtics. They had the projected starting cap space of right around fifteen and a half million dollars. Key additions, they had a crazy offseason. Kyrie Irving getting acquired in that trade for Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. Uh, Gordon, of course, the Nets pick. Gordon Hayward getting signed. That was their main, main top priority. They got that done. Love that. Jason Tatum, my favorite player in the draft, even as a Laker fan with Lonzo Ball. Jason Tatum's just something special. Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines. They just added so much depth, so many players to combat their losses of Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Kelly Olenek. These are so many players I'm naming right now. Amir Johnson. Uh, there's so many players they lost, but they combated all of those moves with even better ones, in my opinion, and found a way to make the Boston Celtics, who were the number one seed, even better. I give them a straight A. Um you're not going to beat the Celtics. I mean, you're not going to beat the Cavs if you don't do something, if you don't try another formula while LeBron is still there. And bring Kyrie over there. Why not make him face his former teammate with, you know, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford, Jason Tatum's there now, along with last year's pick, Jalen Brown. They really got something good going, so I give him a straight A. Yeah, I I was close to giving them a straight A. I gave them an A-. minus. The I love the Gordon Hayward signing. The only reason why I give them an A- minus is the Kyrie Irving trade. Yes, I think that that was a good trade for them, but I was just very surprised with how much they ended up giving up to get him. When Normally, when you have a superstar who's demanding a trade, you can get 75, 80 cents on the dollar for him. I'd say the Celtics got pretty much like, had to give up, I'd say like 95 cents on the dollar for him. It was, a it pretty, was pretty fair. Trade. Yeah, it was a... It was a fair trade, which is kind of the issue, but still, yeah, I think they did improve. They, I love the Jason, Tate, Jason Tatum pick in the draft. He looked great in Summer League. I know Summer League doesn't mean everything, but he looked great at Duke, too. Um, so, yeah, I'll give him an A- minus overall, and the reason why they don't get an A is because I think they gave up a little more than they needed to in the uh, Kyrie Irving trade. So. I can see that. Let's, uh, so the next team we got is the Brooklyn Nets, starting projected cap space, uh, $22.5 million. I love what they did with this offseason because they didn't have an identity and no way up. And now they have a young star in D'Angelo Russell who came from L.A. And they've uh, distinguished an identity of the team that is willing to take on bad contracts during this point right now. I think that's genius to take on some of these teams that know they gave a bad contract and need to dump them 
they take those on and ride them out right now while they're rebuilding. And eventually, when the contract's over, they can do something else with rather that player on something extremely valuable or just let them go and you just were able to ride that out. I don't even know what their plan is necessarily. All I know is that they're moving up and they have a young coach and some young talent. D'Angelo Russell coming there in a trade. Alan Crabb, Damari Carroll, Timofey Mozgov, even though that name, you know, just makes me want to throw up because of the contract <laughs> last year. All these players, you know, they took on these bigger contracts because that's the identity that they formed and the Nets didn't have an identity before. Brooke Lopez is gone. They're best player of their franchise history but you needed to let him go he was going to end his contract and they're never going to win with just him there ever and he needed a new look i really like what they did with this offseason with when no one expected the nets to do anything as always they did something so i give them an a minus because this is the first time i could even say something good about the nets and i think they did a really good job uh with what they had in the draft Nothing crazy special, but they added a lot of pieces. Who knows? Maybe something's going to work out for them in the near future. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I gave them a B plus for the same reasons that you just touched upon. I think for the first time in a long time, the Nets finally have an identity. Um, They were very smart in this offseason. They did have some cap room, like you mentioned, around $22 going in. Uh, They tried to sign Otto Porter from the Wizards. They gave him a max deal but then when the wizards matched they realized there wasn't really one anyone else who was realistically attainable that they could get who was at that caliber so instead of trying to waste that cap space on a few lower level contracts why not take on bad salaries and get assets which is the one thing that the nets really needed so the big trade obviously was getting d'angelo russell number two pick in the draft from just two years ago and I'm still very upset about that trade. Um, they, they gave up Brooke Lopez, who was in the final year of his contract, been a great member of the team, but it was time for him to move on as well. They also got Alan Crabb, who just last year they tried getting in free agency, signed him to but a I, deal. I love what they're doing with like Alan Crabb last year and Otto Porter this year. They're saying, we're going to give you so much money that you don't deserve, and if you don't want to come here because you're a restricted free agent, your team won't let you, we're going to make them pay out the ass for you. And I think that's genius because you're just milking teams now. And with Alan Crabb, they offered him this giant contract last year that another team had to take on because they couldn't lose him, and then they realized that they need to lose him and need to dump it, and the Nets take on the exact same contract that they offered anyways. Yeah. So uh, it's yeah, it was it was a great teams. It was a it was a great trade for them, and then I also like the Damari Carroll trade. They took on his contract, which I think has two years left on it, but they also got a first round pick out of that. And the Nets right. don't have their own first round pick. They needed a first round pick. They got it. So kudos to the Nets. A really strong off season for them. Much better than I thought they would. So yeah, the sky, the sky's the limit, really, because you could only go out from where they were. But yeah. definitely did a lot with nothing. So let's move on to the next team. Charlotte Hornets started the cap, uh, started the off season projected cap space uh, negative six million right around there. So they didn't have much. Uh, they added, you know, Dwight Howard in the trade, Malik Monk via draft, uh, Michael Carter Williams to a smaller contract in free agency. Also drafted Dwayne Bacon. Um, you know, some key subtractions. Um, Marco Bellinelli was in the Dwight Howard trade. Of course, Miles Plumley. You know, these kind of players. They really didn't have too much of an eventful offseason. But what do you? Th- what are your thoughts on the Charlotte Hornets offseason this last year? I'll give them a B. I think it was a. Uh... 
it's a better than average off season. They got Dwight Howard, who I just mentioned his athleticism is declining, but he's still a serviceable big man. They didn't have cap space, so it's not like they could have used the money that they're going to be paying him to go get someone else. So they added a good center for them. Malik Monk, I really liked him in the draft. They got him at number 11, which I thought was an absolute steal. I thought... Right, I like Dwayne Bacon, too. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I really like Dwayne Bacon as well. So, yeah, I thought it was a good offseason for them. They only lost... Yeah, I, I, really I totally agree. Yeah, I, give, I give him a B also. It's just okay. it's above average. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, anything you want to say about it or i pretty much summed it up not much really it's okay. kind of like what we yeah. just said malik monks of steel dwayne bacon's a steel dwight howard you hope that he's going to do better in charlotte but other than that you didn't lose anyone that really mattered and you kind of just gained pieces to work on what you had i, I think we both agree that it was just to be in kind of kind of just like a meh off season you know you got dwight howard which yeah. is nice and you really yeah. didn't have to give up much but exactly. you didn't add anyone or lose anyone that really you know, switched up everything right now. So I think it was just a pretty uh, good one. Yeah, let's move on then to the Chicago Bulls. So their projected starting cap space before free agency, they had almost $15 million in cap space. They got Zach Levine, uh, Laurie Markinen in the draft. They traded for Levine, traded for Chris Dunn. Uh, They picked up David Nwaba from the Lakers off of waivers, which, look, if you're acquiring Zach Levine and Chris Dunn, in a trade in the offseason, sounds pretty good, right? Well, bad part is they traded Jimmy Butler, and that was the only return they got. Zach Levine's coming off of a torn ACL. Chris Dunn had a terrible rookie season, even though he was expected to play well. They also bought out free agents, uh, bought out Dwayne Wade so he could become a free agent. So they're paying him $15 million this year to not play on their team. They declined the option on Rajon Rondo, so they're starting point guard, shooting guard, and small forward from their team last year that made it to the playoffs is no longer on the team. And, uh, yeah, uh, based on what? Well, yeah, it's pretty much just what are you doing, Chicago? Yeah, so what grade are you going to give them, Perry? Uh, I'm giving them a Z. It's the lowest possible letter in the alphabet. <laughs> um, Jimmy Butler it was your future. Dwayne Wade, while he was there, said this is Jimmy Butler's team. It, it, it was Jimmy Butler's team. He's a two-way player and an elite two-way player, which is a rare, rare, rare commodity in this league. You gave him up for nothing at the worst time. Rondo left after actually having a really good year there. Um, Dwayne Wade, you just paid him money not to play there. Uh, don't know what you're doing. Zach Levine can dunk very well. <laughs> but uh, other than that, Chris Dunn, Markinen, Justin Holiday, you know, Quincy Pondexter, David Nawaba, whatever, you know, it's you really screwed up. You lost any bit of talent that you had in Chicago and you just gotta hope that some sort of process will help you out. So I give them a Z. What are you giving up? I'm gonna give him an F minus, so same thinking as you. Uh, <laughs> I don't even I I've never gotten an F before in school, but I don't think they give F minuses. But if I was a teacher, I would find a way to give the Bulls an F minus. Yeah, uh, or a Z. Yeah, or a Z. That might be. We might have to uh, contact USC see if they can start giving Zs. Yeah, like so we're gonna you know, let's move on from the Bulls before yeah. I throw up. We're gonna <laughs> the, one of the worst. Um, Cleveland Cavaliers are are a, a team that really did a lot this offseason with. Not a lot of flexibility. Their projected starting cap space was negative $38.5 million. They have so much money tied up. They pulled off this blockbuster move, trading away Kyrie Irving for Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder. 
obtaining the Nets pick, the first round pick. Dwayne Wade just signed there for pennies on the dollar. Derrick Rose as well. All you really gave up, in my opinion, was Kyrie Irving. And all of those players I just named came there uh, on value contracts or a trade that really worked out for them. A-plus Cleveland. That's all I can say. James Jones retiring. Dante Jones leaving. Derek Williams. Der- you know, Darren Williams. Who cares? They all needed to go anyways. Kyrie Irving didn't want to be there. J.R. Smith on the opening press conferences when asked the difference between having Isaiah Thomas and Derrick Rose there compared to Kyrie Irving, he said they want to be here. That makes the, all the difference in the world. They want to be here. That's the main reason why Isaiah Thomas is gone. I'm sorry, Isaiah Thomas is there playing point guard for them and Kyrie Irving isn't. I love that trade for them. I love the players they brought in and Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade. This is the best, one of the, one of the best off seasons that we can give A plus for them. What are you giving them? I'm going to give them an A. The only reason why I don't give them an A+, a plus, I agree that going into this offseason, you never would have expected that the Cavaliers would really do anything this offseason. You thought they were going to come back with pretty much the same team. Um, then Kyrie Irving wanted to get traded, and that kind of started everything for the Cavs. So that's the reason why I'm not giving them an A+, plus, is that they lost Kyrie Irving. They picked up Isaiah Thomas, who's a great player. He's having issues with his hip, though. He's not going to be back until around January. Who knows if he will be completely healthy when he's back. He might have some more issues even once he's playing. But, yeah, they also picked up Jay Crowder in that trade, which I really like Jay Crowder as a wing defender. Love, love, love him. Yeah. Got Dwayne Wade for incredibly cheap, $2.3 million. Signed Eric Rose, which I'm not, I mentioned in a previous podcast, not the biggest fan of that. Um, but Derrick Rose is still a good player, and I would say a upgrade from Darren Williams, who was their backup for for guard. two point one million dollars coming off you know his best year since the knee injuries. Yeah, a great deal. And then him. also Jeff Green, who I think is an underrated player. I believe right. they got him yeah, for the, right. I totally forgot about for him. the uh, league minimum, and I I really like Jeff Green. I think he's a very athletic wing, can score, get you points off the bench. I think he's an underrated signing for them. And then also they got the Nets draft pick for this upcoming year, which I know that doesn't directly impact their year for this year, but that's an incredible asset to have. That's that's an asset they didn't have before. And another thing I want to talk about really quick, just the fact that there was so much drama in Cleveland with, you know, the ownership and Isaiah Thomas leaving, or I'm sorry, I I keep saying Isaiah Thomas, (laughs) with Kyrie Irving wanting to leave. It was a mess there, and we were talking about what a joke they were on the State of the Cavs podcast that we had in the beginning. And now we're giving, I'm giving them an A+. Plus. So that shows the turnaround that they had and how they were able to handle the new hirings. Uh, uh, you know, Sorry, Brett, Cody Altman getting promoted to their GM. Just what he's been able to do with his hands tied, I, I think it's amazing. Yeah, uh, A+. Yeah. Plus, A+. Plus. Yeah, definitely. So let's, let's move, uh, on, move from on to there. the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, $22 million projected starting cap space. They went and drafted Dennis Smith Jr., who I know you and I are both super high on. Uh, Nerlens Noel re-signed for that one-year uh, deal, just taking a bet on himself to try and get a max for next year after going and signing a new agent. Other than that, they didn't lose anyone, really didn't do much else. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Kind of a short recap. Yeah, just a B-minus for them. It was a underwhelming offseason, but they also did well at the same time because yeah. Dennis Smith elevates their grade for me. 
getting him at, I believe it was number eight in the nine, draft. Number nine. Eight or nine, one of the yeah, two. I think actually number nine. So Dennis Smith Jr., he could be rookie of the year, the year this year. That speaks to the depth of the draft class this year, but also his talent. Um, Nerlens Noel re-signing him on that one-year deal, so he'll be an unrestricted free agent this next year. They might lose him. I think there will be a team that will try to sign him, knowing that if they do, they don't have to worry about the Mavericks matching that offer. Of I course. Think, uh, I mean, it's just the fact that I, I do like the fact they didn't have to give him a max this year. Yeah. They offered a four-year, $70 million contract. He turned it down. I really think it would have made sense from both sides to do that. Noel's had a problem with some injury history in the past. Most of it was a torn ACL his uh, rookie year. But I think it just would have made sense for both sides. The Mavericks, if Noel breaks out, maybe he gets a max deal from somewhere. Uh, but that was Noel's decision not to sign it. But um, they really didn't lose anything. So, yeah, I'll give them a B-. minus. What do you think? I'll give him a B. I think Dennis Smith Jr. elevates my grade a bit, and the fact that they didn't have to give Nerlens Noel that big contract this year, and that he has got another year to prove himself, give it to him next year. I love it. B. Um, nothing. No, it's mainly because they didn't lose any good pieces. I don't know how many pieces you have that you can say are good to lose, but uh, B. I think is fair for them. Uh, all right, so let's move on to the Denver Nuggets. Eleven and a half million dollars starting projected cap space. They added Paul Millsap uh, in free agency. Um, they brought back Josh Childress. I don't know if you remember him yes. uh, from back in the day. So back that's kind of a cool name to see. Kind of a cool name to see. Trey Lyles and uh, uh, trade. You know Tyler Lydon in the draft. They did lose Danilo Gallinari in a sign and trade, and uh, Roy Hibbert, which is always a blessing to lose. So, what do you give them for the Denver Nuggets for this year's offseason? Yeah, you know what I am. Uh... I had originally put a B plus. I'm going to change it to a B. Um, the only reason for that is that the trade where they acquired Trey Lyles, they did trade the pick, which ended up being Donovan Mitchell, which I think would have been great. They got Lyles and Tyler Lydon for Donovan Mitchell. I'd much rather want Donovan Mitchell. But they did acquire Paul Millsap in free agency. I think he is a very good power forward. I don't obviously with how stacked the West is, he will not be an all-star, but I think even in a normal year for a conference, he's maybe borderline all-star, but a good player to have. So I'm going to get him. But look who else is next to him down low. Yeah, I know they got the Joker, Nikola Jokic. Um, so, I mean, I give him a B plus just because of the fact that Paul Millsap's the absolute perfect piece for the Denver Nuggets and they couldn't have went out and signed a better free agent for them. That's all I'm going to say. I know okay. that he's not the most talented free agent. He is a very underrated. But for the Denver Nuggets to put him right there down low with him, when he, I think this is a contract that's going to change, uh, really solidify Paul Millsap right now after being so consistent in Atlanta. I love it. Uh, I think B plus is fair. Okay, so um, let's move on let's to the Detroit, Detroit Pistons. Pistons. Oh yeah, the projected starting cap space that they had going into free agency was negative just a little over negative 23 million dollars they were still able to add Avery Bradley through a trade in which they sent Marcus Morris to the Celtics they picked up Luke Kennard through the draft and uh, they got Langston Galloway and Anthony Tolliver in free agency not doesn't really matter uh, but key subtraction they also lost Kentavious Caldwell Pope so once they made the trade to acquire Avery Bradley 
they took away KCP's um, qualifying offer, which made him an unrestricted free agent. And then, as we know, he signed with the Lakers on a one-year deal for around $18 million. So, given all of that, what grade do you give the Pistons offseason? Yeah, we're not going to talk about this one much. I'm giving this to C. It was whatever. They got a great defender. And Avery Bradley lost a great defender in KCP. I hate the fact that they lost Marcus Morris. I really liked him there. And Aaron Baines added some center depth for them. Um, they, you know, they had an okay offseason. It's just to see. I really don't think they got any better or any worse. Yeah, I agree with you. Give them a C. You lose Contavious Caldwell Pope. Pick up Avery Bradley. Bradley's a better defender kcp maybe a little better yeah i mean kcp if you look at the advanced analytics from last year he had a down year defensively but he is a good defender um and then you lose marcus morris in the trade to acquire avery bradley pistons are going to be the same this year just maybe fighting for an eight seed yeah so let's move on to the golden state warriors so their projected starting cap space was Negative $25 million, about negative 25.5. Even with that, they were still able to sign Nick Young to a mid-level deal in free agency. They also signed Omri Caspi to a veteran's minimum. They picked up Jordan Bell in the second round of the draft, which I know you were really high on Jordan Bell. Oh, yeah. Uh, They were also able to re-sign Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, and Andre Iguodala. Their only losses, really, they lost Ian Clark in free agency, James Michael McAdoo, Matt Barnes. None of those really going to make much of a difference. I'm giving them an A+. They re-signed everyone they needed to, and they were also able to pick up even more shooting, which I did not think was possible, but got Nick Young, who last year ranked second in the league in catch-and-shoot three-point percentage behind Steph Curry. So you now have the top two shooters in catch-and-shoot from last year, and they're even more scary this year. What great Yeah, I mean, this is the best team ever put together, and you added more talent. So I don't know how else you don't give them an A+. Adding Nick Young and uh, Umber Caspi is just amazing. Jordan Bell, you went and found a way to make your team better through the draft. How? How did you do that? Jordan Bell is an amazing defender. Might be one of your best at this point. You brought back Kevin Durant for nothing when you're looking at his value. Curry's back. The whole squad's back. Everyone, you added more talent. I don't know how you did that. A-plus. You're about to win the finals again. Um, <laughs> that's really it. Even though people And people are trying to make their teams better to beat you. You are the goal in the NBA, and you rose the bar yet again. Kudos to the uh, Warriors. Yeah, that's let's incredible talk. what they did. So let's move on to the it's, Houston. It's crazy. Yeah, let's move on to the Houston Rockets. So their projected cap space going into the offseason was just under $6 million in space. They were still able to acquire Chris Paul through a trade with the Los Angeles Clippers. They signed P.J. Tucker in free agency, got Tarek Black after his option was declined by the Lakers. Some solid additions, obviously Chris Paul, the big one. And then key subtractions, they had to give up Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, and I believe a few other players in the trade to get Chris Paul. But they went and signed those uh, offers just for the yeah, trade. Yeah, yeah. But look, you got Chris Paul out of it. Overall, I'm giving them an A-. minus. The only reason why I don't give them an A or an A+, plus is... I have questions about how Chris Paul and James Harden are going to work together. Uh, my 
roommate has a class at USC, and um, in that class, Daryl Morey was actually a guest speaker just a few weeks ago, and he talked about the um, he talked about the signing of Chris Paul and how him and James Harden are going to work together, and he didn't really have much of an answer for that. He said um, someone asked him how he thought they'd work together. And he basically said, it's up to the coaches, but I spoke to the coaches when we were first thinking of getting Chris Paul and they said, we'll figure it out. That's our job. We're going to have the whole summer to figure it out. So through that context, it sounds like Daryl Morey still isn't completely sure how that's going to work. Harden and Chris Paul both have, um, both need the ball in their hands to be effective. That's how they are the most effective. And it sounded like the coaches didn't have a plan either, but they were confident that they would figure one out. Mike D'Antoni, obviously one of the greatest offensive coaches in the NBA, terribly on terribly defensive. He's the point guard whisperer. Yes. So I and that's think, exactly why this is going to work yeah, out. I think, I think I think I think they will. On his, on his team seems magical to me. Yeah, I think they will have it work out, but it might be a little rocky. That's why I'm going to give him an A minus. What do you think? I give him an A. Uh, I am pretty confident that Chris Paul and James Harden are going to work out. James Harden's a natural two. He's not a point guard. They made him one last year, but he is a natural two because he's so vicious with the ball. They'll find a way to coexist. They both wanted to play together. They made this happen. They collabed to make this trade happen. Chris Paul is a hell of a guy also for being as considerate as he was to the Clippers and letting them get such a return. Um, and, you know, Beverly, Williams, Decker, Harrell, of course, all had to go. But all worth it, all worth an A in my book because I really like the P.J. Tucker signing as well. They actually have something good there, and we'll see how, um, you know, James Harden repeats last year. Obviously, I don't think he's going to have the same numbers, but it's going to be interesting to see how they both play under that coach because it's the perfect system if you want to put two two guys that need the ball in their hands. It's really no other coach I'd feel confident that would be able to run that. But uh, So, yeah, I give him an A. So we'll move on to the Indiana Pacers. You know, they had a projected starting cap space of 13.5 mil. Um, you know, clearly, they lost Paul George. That's the biggest thing that we need to talk about. Victor Oladipo came in the trade with Sabonis, Darren Collison in free agency with Bojan Bogdanovich, and Corey Joseph with that signing trade with CJ Miles that he did, TJ Leaf in the draft. Just, you know, I guess you have some decent additions. You, know, you actually do have a young core, but. You lost Paul George for nothing, and it was so dramatic and so badly handled. Monte Ellis is gone. Um, C.J. Miles is gone. You have a lot of key players gone. I give them a D. Uh, the only reason why it's not an F is because they've signed enough players to fill roster needs, and who knows, maybe they have a decent young core. That's why they don't have a D- minus or an F-plus in my book, but I give them a D. They, if they would have been able to get anything for Paul George back, it would have just been a C, but they really fumbled that one. So what do you think? Yeah, I give them a D minus. You think about Kyrie Irving requesting a trade with the Cavs, Paul George requesting, not requesting a trade with the Pacers, but making it clear he'd be leaving after the year. So in a sense, yes, he was requesting a trade. And you look at the stark differences as far as what they were able to get back. The only reason why it's not an F for me is because I do like what they did in the draft with getting TJ Leaf and also E.K. Bogu, both out of UCLA. Um, I really like them going into the draft. I thought Bogu would be a first-round pick for sure. He fell to the 48th or 49th pick in the draft. So that was an absolute steal. But the Paul George trade 
trading him and getting only Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis back, no draft picks at all. And then on top of that, you consider the salaries involved. Victor Oladipo makes more money this year than Paul George. So the Pacers took on more money than they were giving up to get rid of Paul George. So that was a horrible trade for me. Uh, yeah, D minus for me. So let's move on to the Los Angeles Clippers. Their projected starting cap space, they were in a lot of trouble. Negative 37, almost negative $38 million. They were able to re-sign Blake Griffin. They did acquire Danilo Gallinari in a sign-and-trade. It was a three-team deal between the Hawks, Nuggets, and Clippers, where the Nuggets got Paul Millsap, the Clippers got um, Danilo Gallinari, and then I believe the Hawks got Jamal Crawford and a uh, second-round pick. or It was the first-round pick from the, uh, the Rockets that the Clippers got in the Chris Paul trade. Um, they obviously lost Chris Paul, Lost J.J. Redick in free agency to the 76ers. Jamal Crawford, as I mentioned, was traded. Lost Luke Richard and Bamute, who was their starting three. Maurice Spates left in free agency. Paul Pierce retired. Brandon Bass left in free agency. So a lot of movement from the Clippers. What grade do you give them for their offseason? I give them a B minus, but like a very low B minus, like an 80%, barely <laughs> above a C plus. Um, I like the fact that they re-signed Blake Griffin. I know you don't like that contract, but you had to with Chris Paul leaving. You had absolutely no choice. That's the face of your team. Gallinari coming in, I like as well. And the fact that they were able to get such a return for Chris Paul is the reason why they have a B- minus in my book. Getting Milos uh, Teodosic, I believe that's how you pronounce yeah, it. He, yeah, um, I believe that someone uh, put out a quote saying he was one of the best pastors in the entire world. And that's Patrick, Patrick Beverly, who is his teammate now. And they played together overseas. And I was watching some video on him. His passes are insane. Almost, I don't know how many other people in the world can make those passes. They signed him for a very good contract. Uh, Lou Williams, all these players are going to really make a difference and make up for the fact that they did lose Chris Paul, J.J. Redick, you know, Crawford, all, that, all those players. They did find a way to bring in a lot of players with such with their hands tied in a situation with Chris Paul leaving. I really thought the Clippers were going to blow up this offseason, but they found a way to keep it together, and they're getting a new stadium. There's a lot of energy for the Los Angeles Clippers if you're a fan, so I give them a B-. minus. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to give them a C plus. I actually thought that you would give them a higher grade than a B-. minus. It just seemed like you really liked what they got back for Chris Paul, but... I do. It's, I think I think it's JJ Redick leaving okay. for me, and just kind of the fact that they did lose a lot of other pieces besides Chris Paul that kind of docked it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, they really did. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, the C plus. I'm not a huge fan of the Blake Griffin signing, but once they did sign Blake Griffin, then the Danilo Gallinari signing makes a lot more sense, and I'm actually a fan of that. Patrick Beverly is a great defender. Obviously, he can't do everything offensively that Chris Paul could, but defensively... But now they have Tia, they have Tia Dosic, so the two of them together <laughs> kind of equal Chris Paul. Yeah, try to clone them into one, and then, uh, then right. we got Chris Paul, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, let's move on to our team. Let's move on to our team, the better LA team that we want to yes. talk about a little bit more, the Lakers. Um, $17.5 million to start out with. Key additions, they went and drafted Lonzo Ball number two. They went and signed Kentavious Caldwell-Pope via free agency. Brooke Lopez, Andrew Bogut, Kyle Kuzma in the draft, Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant. They had a very deep draft. Magic Johnson killed this offseason. 
they didn't have to give up D'Angelo Russell uh, in that trade with Mozgov to dump his contract, and they were able to get Kuzma back. And the way he's played in summer league has made fans even feel more confident that that trade wasn't for nothing and that it might have been worth it. Uh, I think giving it, I'm going to give this grade almost for Magic Johnson too because he really killed this offseason. B plus, um, you lost Nick Young, of course you're starting to. Uh, you didn't take the option on Tariq Black. Nawab is gone. These are role players. You added KCP, Brooke Lopez, Lonzo Ball, all the guys in the draft. I'd rather play any of them over Tariq Black or David Nawawa, to be 100% honest. And I'm so glad that Mozgov's gone. B+, plus, it's only not an A, just because it, it, you know there's better, better off-seasons than this. But for the Los Angeles Lakers in their position, I really think they did a lot. Yeah, I'm going to give them a B-. minus. I really like what they did in the draft with they had the, uh, obviously drafting Lonzo Ball at number two was the right move, and then they had the number 28 pick in the draft, and 27, they got Kuzma at 27, that was part of the D'Angelo Russell trade, which is the reason why it is a B-. minus. If they don't do that D'Angelo Russell trade, I give them an A-, minus just because of how well they did in the draft, and the Contavious Caldwell-Pope signing, I really liked that on a one-year deal, bringing in a very serviceable two-guard uh, who can take the best offensive player between the one and the two so that Lonzo Ball doesn't have to guard the best player. Um, but, yeah, they had the number 28 overall pick in the draft, and they were able to turn that into the 30th pick and the 41st, the 42nd pick, where they were able to get Josh Hart and Thomas Bryant. Really liked that move. Kuzma looked great in Summer League. From all accounts, he's been looking really good. From what I'm reading, Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma are absolutely tearing up practicing and scrimmages. They're just leading the way, the two of them. Yeah, so apparently, it's just continuing. Apparently, Lonzo Ball so far is 6-0 in um, five-on-five scrimmages, and he's not playing with the starters. He's playing with, I believe it was Corey Brewer, Vander Blue, Kyle Kuzma, and Thomas Bryant. And he's going up against other teams that have, most of them, two starters on them. Um, so I mean, shows you, how much you, he makes can, other players better. Yeah, you can read what you want into that. It is just uh, training camp, and it's not against. It's not in an actual game, but it's definitely exciting to hear, nonetheless. So, of course, um, as a fan, of course, let's move on to the Grizzlies. They so. started with some trouble as well. Yeah, so uh, their projected starting cap space was negative twenty nine million dollars, which wow. is not good. Uh, still, they were able to add Tyreek Evans, which was I thought it was a good move. They got Ben McLemore in free agency as well. Picked up Ivan Rab through the draft. Mario Chalmers in free agency, even though he did rupture his Achilles a few years ago. They got Dylan Brooks from Oregon in the draft. However, they did lose Zach Randolph. And Tony Allen in free agency, as well as Vince Carter. So yeah, with that, this, yeah, was, what this was one of the most unappealing off seasons. Yeah, what grade are you is on paper, them? really. What, what do you? What, uh, I'm, I'm thinking like a C minus, really, not even a C. You lost one of the best defenders in the league, and Tony Allen, who I love, and Vince Carter and Zach Randolph, both both veterans, both left. Zach Randolph obviously got in trouble with the law when it came to a marijuana charge as soon as he got to Sacramento. But now, 
imagine if he resigned in Memphis, maybe he wasn't getting high in Memphis. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh. But the, he, he's gone, and so is Vince Carter, and so is Tony Allen. I don't care who you got back, and the list of key additions doesn't look all that appealing to me. It doesn't even get a C. It wasn't even like meh. It was like right underneath, like eh. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to give him a C minus two. Not too much to say. Just uh, I like the Evans deal. The McLemore deal I like too, but you lose. Uh, Randolph, Tony Allen, your starting two guard, and Vince Carter. Uh, just not a good offseason for the Grizzlies. So moving on to the Miami Heat, their projected cap space going into free agency was just under $31 million in cap space. They re-signed Deion Waiters. They re-signed James Johnson to a big contract. I think it was around four years, 50-ish million dollars. Signed Kelly Olynyk to a four-year, $50 million deal. They drafted Bam Adebayo at number 14 in the draft. Signed Jordan Mickey. Some of their losses, they really didn't lose much. They lost Josh McRoberts in a trade. Luke Babbitt and Willie Reed in free agency. What grade are you going to give them? They get a D-plus in my book. I like the Deion Waiters re-signing. He is the best uh, best player on their team besides uh, Whiteside. Um, other than that, Nothing much happened. I think I'm giving them a D plus just because they struck out on uh, Gordon Hayward and kind of gave their money to Kelly Olynyk instead. Uh, Bam Adebayo, I'm not a huge fan of, and I don't like the fact that they brought him in there with Whiteside. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me or to anyone else that knows what they're talking about. But I'm gonna have to give him a D plus because they didn't even make it to the C range for me. They really wasted money. I like James Johnson there, and I like Dion Waiters there, but they did throw a lot of money in the air. Uh, losing Gordon Hayward, I think they kind of just tried to recover, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm going to give them a D. It's odd because you look at, they made so many additions and really didn't lose much, you would think that it would be higher, but just questionable signings for them. I do like the Dion Waiters deal. Four years, I believe, is around $52 million. But the James Johnson re-signing, I did not like that. Kelly Olenek, as I mentioned, one of the worst contracts in the offseason. Bam Adebayo, just like you said in the draft. I liked him at number 14, but not when you have Whiteside in front of him. Yeah, not uh, to the Heat, yeah, if someone exactly. else had number 14. And then also losing out on Gordon Hayward. You had all of that cap space, and you really just wasted it on James Johnson and Kelly Olenek. Um so, and yeah. nobody on a one-year deal either. They didn't keep their options open for the yeah, next year's yeah, offseason. They really blocked their money in to players that who knows if they'll make any difference at all. But uh, let's move on to a team that really didn't have the same flexibility uh, cap space-wise. Milwaukee Bucks were under the cap space negative $13 million and didn't really have too many moves that they needed to make to make a young team with a great young core and better right now. They looked... I like how they look moving forward. They got DJ Wilson in the draft, Sterling Brown in the draft, James Young in free agency, and they lost Michael Beasley. That's pretty much everything that happened. They get a C. I like what they have there. I love Giannis so much. I think he's going to win the MVP this year. <laughs> I like a lot of the other players there as well. I think they can make a decent run uh, in the playoffs again, but they didn't make any moves that jumped off the paper, didn't lose anyone. They just get a straight C. Yeah, I give them a C too. They had about as average of an off season as you possibly could have. Losing Agreed. Michael Beasley, who cares? He doesn't really do much. You got DJ. I didn't, Wilson. I didn't even know Beasley was on the team, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> I think he signed like in the middle of the season. Um, 
But yeah, and then they got DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown in the draft. I would have liked to have seen them. I know that they didn't have the cap flexibility, but I would have liked to have seen them somehow be able to acquire someone who could have made an impact because they were they were in talks for the Kyrie or Kyrie Irving sweepstakes, talking about uh, Chris Middleton and another uh, Jabari Parker, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and that's Jabari Parker. We'll have to see how he returns from that torn ACL because he looked really good before he went down. But they're such a young team. I would have liked to have seen them do something just to bring one more impact player in that I think they really could have made noise in the East. They still might be able to. You guys will have to tune in to our next podcast to hear more about that. So let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Their projected starting cap space was about $10.5 million in space. Still boy, with boy, that. What, boy, what did they do this yeah. offseason with that $10 million? Wow. <laughs> Not too much. Just uh, sign Jeff Teague in free agency, sign Taj Gibson in free agency, sign Jamal Crawford in free agency, drafted Justin Patton. Oh, yeah, and by the way, they got Jimmy Butler for Zach Levine, who was coming off of a torn ACL, and Chris Dunn, who had an absolutely terrible rookie year. They Everyone also, that left was perfect. Ricky Rubio needed to go so badly, and the Jazz made that trade strictly for Hayward, and it didn't work. Hence, the Jazz also uh, not a great trade for them either. But Ricky Rubio couldn't be there on this new revamped Timberwolves team. Jimmy Butler, the star of this team, a two-way player who's a rare commodity in this league. He's elite, and he's only going to get better. Jeff Teague running the point there instead of Ricky Rubio is a great move, in my opinion. I like Todd Gibson. Jamal Crawford there is going to bring that veteran presence uh, off, you know, six man. I love this team. I love what they did. Minnesota hasn't been a team that you've talked about for so long. And with Carl Anthony Towns there, that's their guy with Jimmy Butler. They have something special and didn't have to lose anyone special or anybody in particular that mattered at all this offseason. I give them an A plus plus, two pluses for that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to give him an A+, plus, just one plus. But just one plus for him? Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> close to two pluses. I might have to go to two. But, um, plus. Yeah, they, they had an unbelievable offseason. I loved the Jeff Teague signing. I think he's a big upgrade from Ricky Rubio. Rubio is a great passer, but he cannot score, and that's something that Teague is going to bring. Jamal Crawford is going to give you that immediate offense off of the bench. You got Taj Gibson on a... Nice deal in free agency where he can come in and um, really contribute as a role player, serving with Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, and then Andrew Wiggins also. we got to remember he's going into his fourth year. Um, and then losing Rubio, they still got a first-round pick out of that. I don't think Ricky Rubio was worth a first-round pick, but they were able to swindle the Jazz into giving them a first-rounder. So. Yeah, great trade, great offseason overall for the Timberwolves. So Amazing offseason, A++. Yes. Plus plus. Let's yes. move on to the New Orleans Pelicans, who as well were very active this offseason. Uh, they start, they started not in a very good position, negative $8 million, and were able to pull off a lot of uh, moves. They brought in Rajon Rondo, who I like there. I know it's, it's going to be interesting with the two uh, of them up top. But Rajon Rondo's an interesting piece in any situation. Ian Clark is an amazing role player from the Warriors who is does, never gets any credit, but he was a commodity this uh, offseason, and people did show a lot of interest in him. I think that's a very good signing that no one's going to talk about. And Tony Allen, oh my God, I love that signing so much, and it just happened. He is their best defender immediately, and he brings a aspect to this team that they didn't have before. Tony Allen might be my favorite signing for them. I think it definitely is. 
uh, and they really didn't lose anyone that really mattered. Um, you know, Tim Fraser, Pondexter, Quinn Cook, you know, these kind of players that weren't making any difference anyways. And in reality, you're only trying to build a team around Cousins and Anthony Davis. So what they did this offseason, I like. I give them a B plus. They couldn't have really done much more. And when you do take their projected starting cap space into consideration, I, I like the moves they made. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to give them a B minus. I like the moves they made as far as bringing players in. The Rondo trade, some questions about how he's going to fit with Drew Holiday, but I think when they have Rondo in and Drew Holiday is not on the floor, he's going to be great for their two big men, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. Um, Ian Clark, I liked him from the Warriors. Tony Allen, I think that was, I'll agree, probably their best free agent signing, just with what he can do defensively, shutting down a player on the other team. Nobody was able to do that in New Orleans before. Yeah, yeah, and now they finally have that great lockdown perimeter defender. Um, The only reason why I'm giving them a B-minus and not something higher is the Drew Holiday trade. They gave him, not trade, the Drew Holiday signing. Signing. They gave him a five-year max deal, which Drew Holiday is a good player, but he's had problems with injuries. Um, he, He just, he wasn't... I don't think that he was close to being worth a max deal. Even if he didn't have injury problems, his output just doesn't warrant a max deal. But they gave it to him to make sure he stayed in New Orleans. And the big concern with that isn't necessarily this year. It's if and most likely when DeMarcus Cousins leaves after or during this summer, then you got to assume they're going to be looking to trade Anthony Davis and trying to get a King's Ransom for him before he leaves too. Well, if you trade him, then you got Drew Holiday on this max deal taking up a lot of your cap space. Yes, you're going to be trying to get good picks in the draft and you won't really be going after a ton of free agents, but that's five years on that max deal. Who knows if in three or four years they're trying to sign someone so that they can get back into contention. And he's just not worth that much money. I agree. So uh, we'll move on to the Knicks. I know they had a projected starting cap space of right around $14 million and really blew this offseason. Um, they drafted Frank Tilkina. <clears throat> I'm super proud of myself for pronouncing that right. <laughs> I am too. Uh, you didn't used to know the name, right? I yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I got tough. that. So yeah, Tilkina, he's amazing uh, when it comes to what they're looking for. They need a long defend uh defense orientated uh oriented uh point guard that's going to come out and play a different kind of ball more of a controlled style he's coming from overseas i like that pick that's the only thing that i really like that they did this entire <laughs> offseason besides get rid of carmelo anthony and i don't care what they got back the fact that he's gone is awesome uh, so that's about it for that tim hardaway jr worst contract but for both of us in this entire offseason um just knocks them down so many letter grades. Losing Derrick Rose, especially since he only got signed for $2 million after he just played that well for you the year before. Justin Holiday was a serviceable role man. Uh, he's gone now. I believe he's on the Bulls. They didn't do anything well. And uh, when it, you know, it comes to giving Tim Hardaway that contract and Carmelo just played them for so long and Derrick Rose is gone, they just get an F because who knows what the Knicks are doing. What do you think? For the dumpster fire, that's the New York Knicks. That's a yes. F minus, and I, I thought I was thinking the Bulls had the worst offseason, but we're going through all of this. 
I don't know, the Knicks are uh, giving them a run for their money because one thing we didn't even talk about was in their front office, they also fired Phil Jackson a day or two days after the NBA draft. And the draft pick they made, Frank Tilakina, while he's a good player, Dennis Smith Jr. was available there. And he would he have was been a better player. Yeah, he would have been a star or potential star in the making that could have come to the Knicks and definitely him and a, would have yeah, been a nice one two punch. But they went with Tilakina because largely Tilakina fits Phil Jackson's triangle offense better than Dennis right. Smith. Which, okay, that makes sense, but if you're going to be firing Phil Jackson anyways, why are you not firing him before the draft instead of letting him make that decision? Let someone else make a, make a draft pick for their liking. Yeah, and then on and let's top not forget of, that they also struck out on Kyrie Irving when he openly just said he wanted to go to New York and they couldn't make it happen, so let's not forget that. Yeah, that too. And then, of course, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract. Uh, they Ramon Sessions... Uh, I, I like him as a player, but look, he's not going to do anything. Beasley, yeah, he's, nothing, he's nothing of note, nothing to make them all of a sudden be a great team. They lost Rose, eh, not a big deal. You lose Rose, you got Tolkina, Sessions, and Jared Jack that are taking the point guard. So it's not the end of the world, but it's, it's not like you have the biggest shoes to fill, yeah. you know. Yeah, so just let's, really let's bad off. To, let's move on to the one that we want to talk about, though. Yes. The Thunder. <laughs> um, so they started with negative thirty-two million dollars. So, like, let's talk about that really quick and how they were able to pull off this insane offseason. We talked about the first thing in this podcast: Russell Westbrook's uh, giant extension that's very well deserved. He's locked in there for a while now. They got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Let's Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. I, I will repeat. They also got Patrick uh, Patterson. Raymond Felton, uh, and drafted Terrence Ferguson. So Patrick Patterson came on a very big, uh, very good value contract that we both talked about earlier. He was on your list as one of the best value contracts this entire offseason. And Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are there with Westbrook. That's insane. They only lost Oladipo and Sabonis for um, Paul George. They gave away absolutely nothing for a player that's going to make such a giant difference. And he said, yeah, I'm going to go for the MVP this year. You think Victor Oladipo or Sabonis combined even, you know, put up half the numbers that an MVP is going to put up? I don't think so. Um, Norris Cole's gone. Cantor's gone in, uh, you know, the trade for Carmelo. Uh, even though he was one of the most loyal people to that organization, he really loved those fans, those organizations. He just put out tons of videos. And the latest video after the trade was him saying, please beat the Warriors for me. So that's funny. But I give them, I, I think I talked about 10 A's here and <laughs> about 15 to 20 pluses. So that says enough right there. It's just jumping off the screen of A pluses right now. They murdered this offseason. Their hands were completely tied. Their feet were tied. Everything was tied with $32 million under. You got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony there with Westbrook. And you just locked him in as your player for the future with that big contract extension and you just made this offseason a lot more interesting now a a a a a a a and a million pluses and i'm gonna have to just assume you agree with me yeah i'm giving them an a and then you can't give them too many pluses uh you can well no no i'm saying like no matter how many (laughs) pluses you give them you cannot give them enough um yeah i mean you think about Sam Presti, just a few years ago when he traded James Harden before Harden was going to sign that extension, and then there were some people talking about, is Presti actually a good GM? I mean, he made good picks in the draft, but then he just traded one of his 
top three players for almost nothing. Well, this summer proved that, yes, he is an incredible GM. He had absolutely no cap flexibility at all. He was still able to turn... Yeah, and a small market. He was still able to turn Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis into Paul George, and then he, after that, turned Enos Cantor and Doug McDermott and the second-round pick into Carmelo Anthony. I don't, also, know, I don't know how he finessed both those trades. Yeah, also signed his franchise player to a five-year extension after people were worrying, very well-deserved too, people were worrying that Russell Westbrook was not going to sign or was going to test free agency. Well, he got that done. I don't know how you could possibly have a better offseason if you're the Thunder than what you actually had. This is, like, if I if I was an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, this is something where I just think this is what I would be dreaming about if I was going to sleep at night. Well, it actually happened. It came to fruition. Most teams almost never get to say that their dreams become reality, but for the Thunder, yeah, it did. And one yeah, thing, they, they murder this more I just, than you can ever imagine. Yeah, and just looking at the roster and the trades they were able to make, imagine if they still had Kevin Durant, because all of these other trades still would have been feasible. They could have had Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Kevin Durant, along with Steven Adams as their starting five. Do you, think, really like. you think that that team would have been able to beat the Warriors? Remember the that Warriors? Team, that team, is, that team is, is better than the Warriors. By far, because the Warriors would not have Kevin Durant then. Right, and that makes them the best team of all time. We were talking about a hypothetical <laughs> scenario with OKC now. This makes them one of the top ten teams of all time. They haven't even played a snap yet right now. But a snap? They're sorry, playing football? Sorry, that's, sorry I'm, I'm thinking of fantasy football and me beating <laughs> Corbin last week. So. Oh. But, uh, yeah, so he hasn't, they haven't even played a minute yet together on the court. And at this point, I already have so much confidence that they already locked, locked in that championship matchup with uh with the Warriors so or sorry they locked in that late round matchup with the Warriors and they're gonna win that's you, it like you, you know I think they I think they can win honestly I think I think they can win and that's gonna be my full prediction of this podcast I think the Warriors are the best team of all time yes don't get me wrong on a talent level I think Russell Westbrook is just a different kind of leader, and the Warriors aren't going to repeat the same year that they had last year. I understand they brought everyone back, but te- other teams are going to figure them out eventually, is what I'm saying. And this might be the year that they fall. There's just so much stuff that is wrong with what you just said. Let's, no, man. I mean, I'm saying this is my bold prediction of the podcast. So let's start. Of it, it, might, it might not happen. Of course not. But let's I like start the fact with- that we could even bring it up. Let's start with you saying that the Warriors are the best team of all time. You, they are. Best team ever assembled. No. Okay, well, I know that we're going to be having that as a debate on one of our podcasts at some point. because They're the best team no ever way, assembled. No way in hell are they beating the Kobe Shaq Lakers. I'll take the 01 Lakers yeah. or the 2000 Lakers. I don't no think way, any of them against the Warriors. No way in hell are they beating the 1987 Lakers. Dude, That's, literally, I'm talking to any team of all time. Doesn't be the Warriors the best team put together. I know that there's more historic teams, but that's because we're living history right now. All right, well, we'll have that debate on another podcast to end the show. And then the other thing that is so wrong about what you said is I mean, of of course, that was my bold prediction. That's not my realistic prediction. My bold prediction is what I said. But they can. No, they they can do it. The Cavs did it. I know KD wasn't there, but. 
oh my God, Kyrie Irving and LeBron James aren't that good with the team that they had, and they were able to pull an upset. The Warriors can be vulnerable. You just got Paul George and Carmelo Anthony with one uh, Russell Westbrook right now, one of the best players in the league. I that's a formula for success right there. That Cavs team had Kyrie Irving, LeBron, and Kevin Love, and they took a Warriors team that Stephen Curry was injured and. They, they beat them. That's it. all I'm saying is they yes, beat them. Yes, but it took them seven games to beat a Warriors team that did not have Kevin yeah, Durant. Stephen, I, Stephen Curry was injured. I'm now, just saying that they, they no, 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 but now, now they have Kevin Durant. This Thunder team is not as good as that Cavaliers team was. They have Russell Westbrook. You, don't, you, don't, you, really, you really don't think this Thunder team was is not as good as that Cavs team? No, I'd take that Cavs are, team in a you, heartbeat. You are crazy. I would take that Cavs team in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? You're crazy. The thunder of this team right now, I take over that Cavs team, even with LeBron James on that team, easily. Okay, who's the best team on the thunder? The best player on the thunder team is Russell Westbrook, right? Russell Westbrook. Are you taking LeBron James or Russell Westbrook? Of course, LeBron is what okay. I'm saying. But second, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Second, second. I take them both over Kevin Love and uh, Kyrie all day. You're taking Paul George. So between George and Kyrie Irving, you're saying Paul George is a better player? In my, I, I literally just put the two of them together. I said Kyrie. No, and, no, but then we'll say so. You, love, so love, then you love, do love, think I'm, I'm, I don't like Love at all. So you think Carmelo is a better player right now than Kevin Love? I think he's. Oh yeah, definitely. Get out of here, dude. So Get so definitely. I cannot here. wait to see this team play. Get there's, out of here. Paul George and Carmelo Anthony are both coming out of bad situations as well, and Russell Westbrook almost led this team by himself in the playoffs. All I'm saying is this team is about to make. Serious thunder, excuse the pun. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, well, we will uh, check back in in the playoffs when... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it at another time. All I'm saying is, it's not crazy what we're talking they're about. Not, they're not beating the Warriors, and they're not coming close. I don't that think... Was, that was the bold prediction of the podcast. Yeah, that was well, the realistic I, prediction. But here's they, my, will be, they will be there. Here's my... Them. Okay, here's my... I don't know how bold of a prediction this is, but I'm going to say... The Thunder still will not be making the Western Conference Finals. They are going to wow. If they do, I'm wow, not even. You I'm, are crazy. I'm not even sure that they're getting the number two seed. I think that the Spurs You're and absolutely insane, dude. possibly the Rockets because they still do have help around. Rockets, Chris it's Paul Rockets three, Spurs Harden. four. Okay, then the Rockets. Yeah, the Rockets are going to be beating the Thunder. I would think. No. Not too confident about that, but I do think that the Spurs, I think that the Spurs, if they are not the, Spurs the number... Spurs don't beat the Thunder either. If the Spurs are not the two seed, they will be the three seed, Thunder would be the two seed, and the Spurs will be beating the Thunder in the playoffs. There's absolutely no chance, and this is something we're just going to have to come check back in on. We yes. obviously have completely different And we'll talk more this about team. this on our next podcast when we talk about the preview, but you are dead wrong. Uh, you could you could think that, but I definitely some of the questions about the Warriors maybe being the best team of all time. You can debate that all you want, but all I know is that the Thunder, no one's beating the Thunder in their division this year. I'm not going to even debate the Warriors being the best team of all time. That no need for me to debate it. You're wrong. But <laughs> all right, okay. Well, Let's there's, move there's, on. Our, there's our yes. debate midway through the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I knew it but, yeah, so all, all we can say beyond just anything we talked about. Oh, City Thunder, AAA plus plus plus. They were able to make the impossible happen, and now this team is, is scary. Regardless yes. if you think that they can win or not, they're you know in a better position than their franchise has ever been. 
of all time, and who knows uh, what they're going to do right okay, now. Okay, maybe another debate, too, because I would still say well, that... Well, remember with Kevin Durant and Harden and Westbrook, could have been something cool, but then again, you had Harden long before his prime. Okay, but you still think that team that made it to the finals in 2012 with Harden on his third year, Westbrook was in his fourth, and Durant in his fifth, they also had Serge Ibaka, you don't think that team's better than this team? No. I think it's close, but it's, for you it's, to... it's, it's not like too far fetched, but it's not. This team is definitely better. Okay, I think it's close, but I think that uh, the Thunder team from 2012 beats this team. Wow. Okay. Well, we got a lot of good debate this this <laughs> podcast, but let's yeah. move through the rest of these teams super quick. Um, they're not all too important. The Orlando Magic, uh, I give them a B just because I love Jonathan Isaac in the draft, and Jonathan Simmons in free agency was a pretty cool signing. So, other than that, they didn't lose anyone important. I give them a B because they they did improve. Yeah. So they had projected cap space was just under sixteen million in space. Uh, like you mentioned, they got Jonathan Isaac in the draft, picked up Jonathan Simmons. They lost Jeff Green, lost Jody Meeks, um, but overall didn't really lose much. I'm going to give them a B-. Uh, they had an above-average offseason just because I really do like Jonathan Isaac um, at, I believe it was the sixth pick in the draft. Um, really long, athletic, great defender, can switch, very versatile on defense, kind of like a Swiss Army knife. Um, yeah, so B-. Uh, let's move on to the Philadelphia 76ers. Their projected starting cap space, they had almost $47 million in cap space. Uh, they were able to acquire Markel Fultz, and Markel Fultz in the draft by making a trade up from the number three overall pick to the number one. Signed J.J. Redick, who you talked about in one of your best deals of the offseason. Also right. signed Amir Johnson to, again, a one-year deal. And the only loss they really had was Sergio Rodriguez. So what are you going to be giving them grade-wise? I give, I give them a straight A. They could have made more happen with the $46 million that they had. But moving up to get Markel Fultz was a great, great move from their, from their uh, standpoint. And J.J. Redick is a great signing. One of my favorites for the offseason. Uh, great value for one year. He's bringing a veteran presence that they don't have there. And Amir Johnson's a good role player. Uh, they made all very, every move they made was great. They didn't make any, you know, bad moves that spoiled their A for me. The key subtraction is Sergio Rodriguez, who nobody cares about. They get a straight A. I love Marco Fultz coming and JJ Redick, especially. So I give him an A. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to give him an A minus. They had a really great offseason. They signed. Uh, like I mentioned, they got Reddick and Amir Johnson. The Amir Johnson signing, it didn't make much sense to me. Why are you signing another big man when you got Joel Embiid, who, granted, is almost never healthy, but also Ben Simmons yeah, that's and why. Dario Saric, who are both power forwards, and um, um, Amir Johnson is a power forward as well, so he's going to be your third-string power forward, making $11 million. I know it's just a one-year deal, but it didn't make too much sense. Yes, I like the J.J. Reddick signing, but... Could have done a little bit more with that $46 million in cap space, but I do like that they just did one-year deals, so they'll have that same flexibility next year, unless yeah. unless they sign Embiid to a an extension. That could be a max-level extension. Who knows? It probably... Yeah. I I don't know. It It's going to depend a lot on how much he plays this year, too, because if he can't stay healthy this year either, that's pretty concerning. So, give him right. an A-minus uh, for so now. Move on to the uh, Phoenix Suns. They started the Offseason projected cap space of 11 million. They drafted Josh Jackson, who I love. 
Devon Reed, uh, another great player, and Alec Peters as well. They only lost Leandro Barbosa. So I give him a B minus. Not too too much of an exciting offseason, but you didn't lose anyone and you got better. So I give him a B minus. Yeah, I'm gonna give him a B minus as well. Like you said, they really just didn't do much. I like really like the Josh Jackson pick in the draft, um, but just the 11 million dollars, a little over 11 million in cap space. I would have liked to have seen them go into free agency and sign someone. But they didn't, so I'm going to stick with a B minus. So move on to the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Oh, did you have something you wanted to say about the Suns yeah, really quickly? Uh, no, okay. okay. All right, so let's move on to the Portland Trailblazers. So they were in a lot of trouble going into free agency. Their projected starting cap space was just under negative $40 million, which I did not realize until I was putting this list together. That is crazy because you think about the players on that roster, they should not be paying that much all right but anyways they drafted zach collins with the 10th overall pick in the draft they traded they traded up from they had to give up the number 15 pick and number 20 pick to the kings in order to acquire the number 10 pick and select zach collins they also got caleb swanigan in the draft at number 26 they signed anthony morrow and archie goodwin as well as isaiah briscoe uh and the only loss they really had was Alan Crabb and Tim Quarterman. Crabb, they traded to the Nets to get rid of his contract. Um, they picked up Andrew Nicholson, who they then um, waived with the stretch provision. So what grade are you going to give them overall? Uh, I originally gave them a C+, plus, but I'm knocking that down to a C now that I think about it a little bit more. Uh, I hate the Zach Collins pick. He's never going to make any difference, and I don't think he's going to be a good player in the NBA whatsoever. Uh, Caleb Swanigan is the complete opposite for me. He's completely underrated. He's about to be a complete tank in this league. Um, other than that, Alan Crabb, I like the fact that they were able to get rid of his contract. They should have just let the Nets sign him last year. I don't know why they even went and matched that offer. That was completely stupid. But, yeah, they get a C. It was just, eh. Yeah, I'm going to give him a C plus. So I don't think that Zach Collins, I don't think it was a good pick, but I'm not as low on him as you, I think. For you, you see Zach Collins the same way I see Tyler Lydon, just a terrible pick. Um, Caleb Swanigan, I actually liked that pick at number 26. I think Love he's, it. he's an undersized um, big man at, I think, 6'8 or 6'9, but he has long arms and he can shoot the ball. And he's a really big, powerful player. So once he gets inside, he can battle with the best of them, box out, get rebounds. That's what he's going to be paid to do, and I think he'll be able to do that effectively. Alan Crabb trade, I like that as well, getting rid of his contract. I also shouldn't have had that contract. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why they even matched his offer when he signed with the Nets, anyways. So yeah, I'll give him a C plus overall. So we'll move on to the Sacramento Kings. Their projected starting cap space was just under fifteen million dollars. Some of their key additions, obviously, De'Aaron Fox in the draft, which I know you were really high on him, Perry. They also signed George Hill in free agency. I believe that was a three-year, $60 million contract. Signed Bogdan Bojanovic, Bogdanovic sorry, in the free agency, as well as Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. Um, in the draft, they traded the number 10 pick, which ended up being Zach Collins, like we just mentioned, to the Trailblazers for the number 15 and 20 pick. They got Justin Jackson with the number 15 pick in the draft, Harry Giles with the number 20 pick in the draft, and they were also able to acquire Frank Mason in the second round of the draft. 
Some of their losses were Rudy Gay in free agency, Darren Collison and Aaron Aflalo in free agency. They lost Tyreek Evans, lost Ben McLemore to free agency, also lost Ty Lawson and Anthony Tolliver, as well as Langston Galloway, all of those guys to free agency. So a lot of movements from the Sacramento Kings. Perry, what is your grade for the Kings? You literally want to lose every single player that you lost this offseason. <laughs> you want them to be off your roster. <clears throat> I give them an A. They were able to shed off as much fat as possible. Adding De'Aaron Fox, that's their leader at the point guard position. He's going to get mentored by George Hill, who they got as well, who I really, really like. Zach Randolph, don't think he's going to be around due to his legal issues, and that's unfortunate for them. But I like the Vince Carter signing due to his veteran presence. Uh, they had an amazing draft. They turned the number 10 pick that ended up being the worst pick out of the top 10. Uh, Zach Collins would have been better at like a 15 or a 20, and that would have been debatable. I just don't like him at all. And at number 10, that's baffling to me. They were able to get Justin Jackson and Harry Giles out of that and snap Frank Mason, who was the college player of the year last year. Uh, of course, he's undersized, and people don't know if his game's going to translate into the NBA, but still, uh, Rudy Gay's gone, Collison's gone, all these guys are gone, it's great. They got an A because they had a team that really wasn't that great, and now I think they're in a position to progress a lot faster than they were before after losing Cousins, and now they're in a good position. Yeah, I just find it funny you said that they were able to shave off all of the fat, and yet they signed Zach Randolph. Do you know how fat he is? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, clearly he's smoking enough pot to eat the whole team. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, I really liked their offseason. I'm going to give them an A minus. I really liked Aaron Fox out of Kentucky. I'm slightly concerned about just his overall um, his overall weight. At, I think he's under 170 pounds. You look at the list of players who weighed under 170 in the NBA. None of them have really been able to do anything. Um, so he's going to need to bulk up. I l really like the George Hill signing in free agency, though. Um, I think he'll be a great mentor for De'Aaron Fox. You can also start, start him at the two guard right next to De'Aaron Fox. Um, the trade of trading the number 10 pick for the 15 and 20, I loved that not only because they were able to get two solid picks, number 15 and 20, but the players that they got at those picks. I really like Justin Jackson out of North Carolina. I sure. think he has the potential to turn into a great spot-up shooter. He has terrific form um, on his jump shot. Harry Giles, who they got at number 20, he didn't really show much at Duke, but going into his freshman year at Duke, he was, I think, the number one player in the nation coming out of high school. So there's definitely a lot of potential there. You see his athleticism in bits and pieces. He just needs to get healthy. He's had a lot of issues with his knees. But if he does, that was a great low-risk, high-reward signing. The Vince Carter deal and the Zach Randolph deal, not huge fans of those. I get signing them for some veteran presence. I also don't understand why Randolph and Carter would go there. I would have thought they'd want to go somewhere where they could contend. Um, Frank Mason the third, getting him in the second round of the draft. I'm not that high on him. I don't think that his game is really going to be able to translate to the NBA. I liked Isaiah Thomas coming out of college, and a lot of people want to compare Frank Mason to Isaiah Thomas. They're both really undersized. The difference to me is while Frank Mason is very quick, Isaiah Thomas just 
was on a completely different level. And I don't think Mason has that same type of quickness and explosiveness that you definitely need being an undersized point guard in the NBA. And I also don't think that he can shoot the ball as well as Isaiah Thomas. Um, but yeah, I mean, the losses that they had, Darren Collison, yeah, he's a good player to have around, but you got George Hill, so that made Collison expendable. Rudy Gay, I used to love Rudy Gay, um, but why? I just he was so <laughs> he was so athletic, and I just he had so much potential, and that yeah, no, I, I, I hate you. Mean he, he? I think he might do pretty well in the Spurs. To be well, honest. no, I mean he tore his um, Achilles tendon last year with the Kings, and I've said for. A long time that the worst injury you can have in sports is a torn Achilles tendon. It just saps you of all of your athleticism, which is what Rudy Gay especially relied upon. So uh, that wasn't a big loss to me. So yeah, A minus overall for the Kings. First okay, good yeah, offseason for them. Let's move on to the yeah. Spurs with that Rudy Gay transition. Uh, I know they started with like negative two million dollars right around there. They added Rudy Gay. Uh, they got Derek White, who I really liked out of Colorado in the draft. I was actually kind of hoping the Lakers were going to go get him instead of Josh Hart. Uh, he was a senior coming out of Colorado, and uh, not a lot of people talked about him, and I really like his game. Uh, I think he's going to do amazing under Pop. Um, Joffrey, Joffrey Laverne, is that how you say it? I never yeah. really yeah. am able to pronounce that, but I know, it's coming that from Chica- I know it's coming from Chicago, and he was a decent role player. <laughs> Uh, Brandon Paul, Jaron Blossom game, who's all right out of Clemson. Uh, they lost Jonathan Simmons, who was their self-made man coming from the former D League. That's now the G League, sponsored by Gatorade. Uh, Jonathan Simmons is gone now, and Dwayne Dedman. I actually really liked him too, and I liked the signing of him in Memphis. Uh, but the two of them being gone really kind of hurts their off season. I think Rudy Gay is just going to become another emotionless robot in the pop system and he'll find a way to contribute in his own in his own way but i don't think he's going to need the same athleticism flying all over the place he's just going to become more of a systematic player if you if i may say and i don't know if that's a good or a bad thing but at least it's going to bring out consistency in him uh and the rest of the team and the rest of the additions were okay i just don't like the fact they lost jonathan simmons and deadman i gave him a c plus because it was an all right off season and they did make some additions but the spurs under pop are always going to be amazing just because of his coaching style and the way that they play so you really don't need to make too many offseason additions or anything to vamp the spurs they're always going to be there you know yeah yeah so i'm going to give him a b minus i think the Rudy Gay signing, if he had not ruptured his Achilles, I would have loved that signing. Uh, I think that's the type of player that Greg Popovich could have done a lot with. With just Rudy Gay needed to be convinced to buy into an actual system and be a team player instead of a black hole that he had become over the last few years with just you get him the ball and then you're not getting the ball back. He's shooting it. Uh, I'd like the Derek White um acquisition in the draft at the end of the first round i think number 29 overall uh jerron blossom game in the second round out of clemson i really liked him too so those were two really good picks for the spurs in the draft losing jonathan simmons and dwayne deadman i think dwayne deadman hurts more just because jonathan simmons it just seemed like he never really got a ton of playing time with the spurs when he did play he normally did pretty well but they just didn't play him that often uh, but Dwayne Dedman definitely got a good amount of run with the Spurs, and he contributed. He was a very good big man for them. I think he even started some of his games, so that's going to hurt them. 
Overall, B minus though. They also signed, forgot about uh, Patty Mills to, I think it was a four year, $50 million deal. Um, yeah, I, I like Patty Mills there. Yeah, I like Patty Mills. I think that eh, it's probably still a good contract because you got to think with Tony Parker coming off of that torn quadriceps, Patty Mills, if he doesn't take over the starting position, it would only be because. Tony Parker is Tony Parker, but Mills will still get a lot of playing time. I, I think Mills, because I know, uh, sorry, I'm going to leave it for the next one. I was going to make a prediction for Mills, but I know that uh, we're going to do that all on the next podcast, so okay. I'll save that for then. But okay, I do, all I can say is I do expect a good amount from Mills this year. Okay, I think I know where you're going to be going with that. So let's move on to the Toronto Raptors. So their projected starting cap space, they were in a lot of trouble, negative $35.5 million. Again, these projected cap space numbers, they take into account cap holds. So Raptors had free agents with Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, who I'm sure each of their cap holds were at least 20 to $25 million. Right. Um, so that's why they were so much in the red with cap space. But they were able to re-sign Kyle Lowry to a three-year deal. I think it was three years, $100 million. Yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, they also got C.J. Miles. They re-signed Serge Ibaka, who you mentioned in one of your worst contracts of the offseason. Yeah, Kyle Lowry, I had to think about also. Yeah, I actually did, too. I I really don't like $100 I didn't like it when I saw it. I still don't. Like, I really like that they brought him back. They have DeRozan there and Serge Ibaka. That's kind of the only core that they've had that really is good. And I think that they can continue to be good, but I don't think they continue to be great at all. And for $100 million for Lowry, I, I, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that either. But at the same time, you're the Toronto Raptors. It's not like if you don't sign him and you clear some cap room, you'll be able to attract it. Yeah, yeah, you kind of have agent. to bring back the whole squad. Yeah, like what can you really do except try to keep what you have? Because they're finally... Totally I mean, the Raptors are the best that the franchise has ever been. So you want to stay at that level for as long as you can. Unfortunately for them, there really isn't a way for them to get over the hump and be a legitimate. It's going to have to be some, some way just getting lucky in the draft or someone wants to come play for the North or something like that. Uh, But they did everything they can. I know they lost uh, Patrick Peterson and PJ Tucker and Damari Carroll, as well as Corey Joseph. So they did lose some players. Uh, even though they added C.J. Miles, uh, O.J. O.G. Anunobi, is that how you uh, pronounce that one? I know yeah, uh, I wasn't as big. Uh, I wasn't OG, as high on him. Yeah, O.J. Anunobi. I really. Yeah, I wasn't him. as I wasn't as high on him as I know you are. Um, but C.J. Miles coming there, he's a serviceable player. He'll probably start. Patrick Patterson, you know, P.J. Tucker, Damari Carroll. These are all great players. That especially P.J. Tucker and Damari Carroll. I wasn't a big fan of their contracts. And uh, DeMar Carroll, they were able to shed that to the Nets, and P.J. Tucker was able to walk. Uh, they weren't in a position to be able to re-sign him, and I really like him in Houston. Uh, their offseason is kind of just a C for me. Just an A. Didn't get much better at all. Uh, if, if anything, they maybe got a little bit worse. But losing Patterson, Tucker, and Carroll, and Joseph, and only really getting C.J. Miles back in return, even though they did re-sign you know, Lowry, it's just a C for me. Yeah, I actually agree. I'm going to give them a C as well, like you kind of hinted at. Yeah, I really like OG Ananobi coming out of the draft, but he had surgery on his knee. I'm not even sure if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Um, 
They were able to get C.J. Miles in a sign-in trade from the Pacers, which I like C.J. Miles, but they had to give up Corey Joseph in order to get him. And I don't oh, I like more. Yeah, I'd rather want Corey Joseph. Um, they traded Damari Carroll. I understand the thought behind that with they're a smaller market team. They have to um, They have to try to clear some room. I know they were over the cap, but clear some of the salary that they were spending so that they could re-sign Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka, but... I know Carroll wasn't on a good deal, making around $15 million, but if you're starting small forward, if there's some way that you could have just kept him, I know that still doesn't make you a title contender, but you're a he better helps. team. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, C overall. Let's uh, move on to the Utah Jazz. Their projected starting cap space was negative $22.5 million. Again, that included Gordon Hayward's cap hold, and he ended up leaving. They were able to acquire Ricky Rubio for a first-round pick from the Timberwolves. They got Donovan Mitchell in a trade with the Nuggets in the draft, where they sent out Trey Lyles as well as the 24th pick, I believe, which turned into Tyler Lydon. We know how I feel about Lydon. Um, they got Thabo Cephalosha in the draft, Tony Bradley in the draft, who I'm not a big fan of, Ekpe Udo, who I didn't even know he was still in the league. He was the number five, number six overall pick in the draft like five or six years ago by the Bucks, and I don't remember him ever like playing on any team. Uh, That's crazy. I've never even seen that name. <laughs> yeah, that tells you. It's, that's. I'm pretty. I'm pretty knowledgeable. I'm all over NBA stuff. I, for me to never see a name not once it that just, says something. That speaks to how irrelevant he was and is as a former number six pick right? in the draft. That's incredible to me. Wow, I must not have been paying attention that year. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, talk about the losses though. They did lose Gordon Hayward. They lost George Hill, Boris Diaw. I think Diaw ended up going to play in like France or something. Uh, Trey Lyles in the trade, they lost Shelvin Mack, Jeff Withy, not really a big deal to lose him or Shelvin Mack, but what's your overall grade for the Jazz? Uh, F plus, the only reason why there's a plus there is because Donovan Mitchell is on the team now. I really love him, I know you do too, I saw so much of him in the summer league that just solidified what I already thought about him and made me think even higher. Ricky Rubio coming there, at least they have a point guard to replace Jordan George Hill, but they gave up a first-round pick for it, and it was mainly a signing for, um, to keep Gordon Hayward because they wanted that style of point guard there for him. That didn't work. Either did signing Ingles, Ingles, whatever. I, I just, it's F-plus for me. They really didn't do anything that really combated all of the losses that they took and striking out on Gordon Hayward, like you really messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I agree. I'm going to give them a D minus, obviously losing Gordon Hayward hurts the most. Um, but losing George Hill too, I think George Hill was a much better player than Ricky Rubio is. I know Rubio can pass, he can defend, but George Hill was a decent average defender and he could also, get you points when you needed points. Um, the Donovan Mitchell trade is the only thing that's saving them from completely failing the offseason because, like you, I really like Donovan Mitchell, and they really did not have to give up much for him. So D-minus for the Jazz. Let's move on to the last team, the Washington Wizards. Their projected starting cap space was negative about $12.5 million. 
they were able to keep Otto Porter on a max deal after he signed an offer sheet with the Nets. They matched that deal. They made a trade for Tim Frazier, acquired Jody Meeks in free agency, and Mike Scott. They lost Boyan Bogdanovich, who they had traded their first-round pick to the Nets for um, during last season around the trade deadline. Lost Brandon Jennings, who didn't really do much last year. Overall, what is your grade for the Washington Wizards? I'm giving them a B minus. Uh, I think they overpaid way too much for Otto Porter Jr., and that's because the Nets are doing what they do best now and milking other teams for their cap space by offering restricted free agents these massive offer sheets and having forcing them in a position to sign them to way too much money or have to lose them to a team that doesn't care if they're spending a ton of money. The Wizards really got screwed by the Nets on this one because Otto Porter Jr. is not nearly worth the money that he got signed for, although he is a good young talent on that team and they couldn't afford to lose him. I get that. Hence why he's on that team and hence why I give them a B- and not a normal B or a B plus. Because other than that, uh, you lost Bojan Bogdanovic, who does make some sort of small effect, but not really. And Brandon Jennings kind of just went through another team now that he's just been had another disappointing year. I, I really I just give him a B minus just because they had to pay too much for Otto Porter Jr. But other than that, they didn't do much wrong. Yeah, I remember Brandon Jennings when he was a rookie. He had that fifty-five point game with the Bucks, and people yeah, were comparing, awesome for people were comparing him to Allen Iverson, and then uh, kind of tapered off. And then he, uh, the Pistons, did a sign-in trade for him when he was a free agent. He ruptured his Achilles on the Pistons, and like I said, once you rupture your Achilles, that just pretty much ruins you. Um, but yeah, my overall grade for the Wizards B plus. Otto Porter, the max deal for him. Yeah, he's not worth a max deal, but you knew some team was going to pay him. And if you're the Wizards, you had to retain him because you have John Wall, Bradley Beal. You're close to being able to contend. And I really like that team. Yeah, I do too. I think they're still a notch below the Cavs, obviously, and the Boston Celtics, but they're in that second tier where... They're right there. They're inching towards creeping up to the tier to tier one with one of the one correct draft pick or one signing that they get lucky with they're there yeah that's I, what i'm saying with with the backcourt that they have they really have something special with beal and john wall yeah yeah and i think um maybe even it could be like kelly Oubre. he's someone who's kind of underperformed right. since he right. got in the league but we know he has the talent so who knows? Or maybe Otto Porter Jr. playing up to this kind of contract, you know? Yeah, yeah, that too. I think he had a really good year last year, especially. It does, he does bring a lot of energy, and I do like what he brings. I just yeah. hated how much they had to pay for him, and they really had no choice. Yeah. So uh, I know I know we had an ending debate, but I'm going to scratch that just because we had such a fruitful debate uh, on our Thunder tab. <laughs> And okay. I'm so happy that we did. We were able to share some crazy ideas, some realistic ones, some completely different opinions. And I'm sure some more listeners are going to be split between the two, depending on their opinion. But all we know is that the fact that we're talking about the Thunder in any way possible towards even thinking about a championship shows what an amazing offseason they had. And I 
you know, that, that debate was one of our best ones. So, yeah, there's no need for this one. We'll save that for the next one or sometime soon. So I just want to – I know this has been a longer podcast. I want to thank all the listeners that are still here, um, you know, fighting through the longer, you know, around the two-hour ones. These ones just are so jam-packed with so much different information. And going into recapping this offseason, we could have went on for five or six hours because – this might have been the most exciting offseason I've ever been able to see in my entire oh, life. Far. And I think by you far. can say the same. Just all all these new faces and new places and good contracts, bad ones, good moves, bad moves. I'm glad that we were able to recap all of these and not leave anything out. So, again, thank you guys for staying here, listening with us, and being loyal to us. Continue to go on to our Twitter page. It's at NBA Unwrapped. We are all over all news, all rumors, any fun facts about the NBA, you'll see it right away when it's coming out off our page. So give us a follow. Take a look at our revamped page that's been consistently well for the last you know month or two now. So take a look at that for us. Any last words for our loyal NBA unwrappers? Yeah, just uh, remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can also hear us on SoundCloud. Uh, also remember our next podcast will be our NBA season preview edition and please if you have any questions regarding predictions for the upcoming season or just questions about the NBA at all send us a tweet Uh, if it's a good question we'll talk about on our podcast we're really looking forward to this next one that's where we're going to have a lot of predictions it's going to be a lot of fun to see what we say now and then kind of circle back on this stuff later in the year when we can see how right or wrong we really were and then laugh at each other for it. Exactly. That's the fun part. And I'm glad uh, we were able to have that initial debate now. But just like Corbin said, shoot us those questions on Twitter. I cannot wait to interact with you guys. Here's some of your questions for us and we'll be able to shoot you a debate or just a conversation, depending how Corbin and I feel about that. All we know is that you'll get your question answered on next week's podcast. So please Don't be shy. Jump on our Twitter page and ask us some questions. Yes, so thank you all for listening. I know this is a longer podcast, but there's a lot of stuff to talk about and unwrap, and there's going to be a lot more stuff to unwrap on our NBA Season Preview Edition podcast. So until then, thank you all so much for listening. You've been listening to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by... As always, my co-host, Perry Aston. Perry, any last words? See you guys next time. All right. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back with another podcast soon. Thank you.